This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Armed with opinions, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our first crossover episode with our friends from the RoboCast. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up, BattleBots artist-in-residence David Fay has sold his one-of-a-kind BattleBots sculpture for a little over $17,000 in cash. The auction ended Sunday and generated 90 bids from superfans eager to own BattleTrop a sculpture of a horse made out of broken parts of robots that competed on season six of BattleBots. More than half of the proceeds will go to Grant Imahara's STEAM Foundation, which helps underprivileged kids get into science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. We don't know yet who won BattleTrot or what they plan to do with it. Speaking of auctions, a very rare combat robotics trophy has gone up on eBay to help raise money for the father of combat robotics, Mark Thorpe. Builder Dan Dannick won the middleweight championship at the 1996 Robot Wars with his bot Agamemnon, which featured gas-powered saws and an air puncher. Dan is raising money to help Mark Thorpe, who has Parkinson's disease. The auction ends on April 28th. Look for the link in this week's show notes. Meanwhile, BattleBots will likely get rid of unsticks in Season 7 and instead allow robots that get caught on arena hazards to get counted out. Unsticks will only happen if two robots get stuck together rather than stuck on the floor or hazard. In a supporters-only post, BattleBots said it made the decision to show which doctor getting unstuck in the Minotaur fight for the sake of transparency, but acknowledged that doing so confused some fans. Next up for real changes could be translational movement. Sign up to become a BattleBot supporter on Facebook to weigh in on the rule changes. On over to Norwalk, where a number of BattleBots captains and builders will be competing Saturday in the second qualifying event of the season at Norwalk Havoc. Those teams include builders from Bloodsport, Gemini, Madcatter, Overhaul, P1, Pain Train, Perfect Phoenix, Retrograde, Ribot, Sawblaze, Slapbox, Tantrum, The Big Dill, The Four Horsemen, Uppercut, Valkyrie, and Whiplash. I cannot believe that I said that all in one breath. Whiplash Captain Matt Vasquez is making his Norwalk debut with his bots Crunchroll Supreme and Whomper. Mad Catter Driver and reigning Norwalk Havoc Beetleweight Champion Calvin Eba is making his 2022 debut with his bots Lynx and Mixtape. The live stream kicks off at 10 a.m. Eastern Saturday on YouTube Live. Chris, Lindsay, Kyle, and I will be calling fights all day, so drop into the stream and say hi. 
And finally, the teams behind Sawblaze and Scorpios are running two very cool giveaways this week. Sawblaze is giving away two Sawblaze versus Whiplash Arena Max kits from Hexbugs, while Scorpios is giving away limited edition Rex poker chips. Look for details on Facebook. And that is it for this week's news. After the break, we attempt to fix all of BattleBot's problems with our friends from the RoboCast. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Samalit64, and welcome to the Robocaster, not behind the bots. <laughs> I'm joined with Steve the American Killjoy and World of Woodrow. And of course, we are actually joined by all of behind the bots, Luke, Lindsay, Chris, and Kyle. Welcome, guys. A crossover that probably no one asked for, but we're having it anyway, right? <laughs> we are so excited for about it. this. We are, we're so yeah. stoked about this. Me too. Yeah. I'm honestly so excited for this. Um, what a couple weeks since the end of BattleBots, right? It's just been a bit of a bit of a whirlwind. That's a way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of discussed this ourselves a little bit before, kind of agreeing to record this, and we were all kind of just like not sick of what was being said, but like for for the want of a better word, we were because it was pretty bad. <laughs> it yeah. was. Pretty I went on bad. vacation. You did. I had to clear my head. I too was on vacation, but still managed to watch the episode and managed to get caught up in the the, the heated debates, let's call them that, um, regarding what went on at the end of the season specifically. But um, yeah. For my two cents, I think that judge's decision, fine. Audience reaction, not. Oh yeah, you weren't here, were you, Jeff? You were busy. You were I, busy was, I was. You were busy being uh, David. I was, no, I was in the US. You were? Mm-hmm. How was that? Oh, yeah, no, I was replaced by David, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually share a body, and oh, okay. uh, we, we phase in and out of each person, so... Uh, it's, it's, uh... And that's how Lego Wars is made, everyone. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Um, Guys, I, w- I want to come to you all a bit quickly, because, you know, you're very similar to us, you know, you kind of just... You interviewed the same people we did at the end of the season. It was the, the lovely people from Tantrum and Blip, and, you know... When we spoke to them, Ginger was, you know, very clear about what how she felt after the the final because what was sent to them and other teams was pretty unacceptable, and it kind of got us thinking, you know, what what is wrong with battle parts? I want to kind of bring you guys in here. What did you guys think of the reaction? Really, I can um, say as a uh, as an admin on the Facebook group <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> What you guys actually saw on the internet was not nearly as bad as what we denied. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it got pretty, pretty nasty there for about two or three days. Uh, then it started to kind of wind down a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's been, it has been an intense uh, post season so far. What do you think? Yeah. I, I from my perspective, it's on BattleBots to present the fight fairly and evenly and to give people context without having them have to go to the internet to try and figure out all of the extra context. And 
they're ultimately responsible for how people react to it because of how they edited uh, the episode and what they left on the cutting room floor. So uh, we have to believe that either one of two things is true, that uh, they they cut the episode in a particular way because they wanted people to be outraged, um, or they cut the episode in a particular way and had no idea that people were going to be outraged. So either they are malicious or incompetent. Um, and uh, neither is really great. So uh, would love to see BattleBots do better for season seven. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the general consensus, isn't it, really? like it, It's just unfortunate that what should have been like the cream of the, the cake, if you like, at the end of the season ended up being quite negative. And I think, I, I, you know, I've, I've spoken yeah, that, to other teams that, that weren't even involved. It wasn't really a cherry on top and you don't want to know what it was. Yeah, it was, it was um, something else entirely. It was... I have heard rumour that they were put between a rock and a hard place actually at filming in the sequence of events for the most controversial moment of the episode um, in that certain rules weren't followed because production got in the way more than uh, BattleBots themselves, which mm-hmm. is tough. And then they that leaves them in a situation in which, you know, what, what do you do from there and where do you go? I think what needs to happen going forwards is the people that are in charge of making sure that rules are stuck to stick to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into all that a little bit later. So on, you think sure. it falls more on Whale Rock than BattleBots themselves? I, I think there is a certain amount of Whale Rock that we need to look at and uh, place some of the blame with. Yeah, you know, like, are we trying to make a TV show? Or are we trying to make uh, synthetic drama? Uh, yeah. Trying to get clicks, which I mean, that's that's the internet way. Um, I mean, look at us right now. We're we're doing this right now. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll be honest. I was surprised that the the most controversial moment hasn't yet hit the YouTube channel or anything yet um, for the for the maximum viewership they could possibly get out. Of uh, it. I, I mean, shoot, they 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 delayed the AMAs for both the judges and for. Uh, the teams it, it, like it, 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 everything was too hot, yeah. uh, and we had to wait, we had to wait for things to cool, and it, things have cooled down a bit. Bizarre that they originally scheduled the judges AMA and the witch doctor AMA within two days of each other, just to go. It's just tone deaf. It's just tone deaf. <laughs> Good luck with that think, one, guys. You know. <laughs> I, I think that's made. I think that's been made abundantly clear that uh, that that there's 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 just talks that need to be had and say, hey, this is something that can never happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. With all that said, both us and Behind the Bots put out a post within the last week or so saying, what do you guys think? What do you guys think we can do or BattleBots can do themselves to fix the show? Should we go through some of them? What do you reckon, guys? Yes, please. Right. So we'll start. We'll try and segment it into like kind of different areas and topics and see, just to kind of give a, a bit of segmentation, if you like, to... Uh, mm-hmm. Our thoughts and kind of um, general feelings, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start off with that, the first section, which very kindly has been provided by the Behind the Bots guys. A nice, really long script of questions. It's great. It's mm-hmm. so nicely put together, which is something we never, ever do. So thank you very yeah. much for, for doing that. <laughs> um, the first section is making things better for the builders. Um, why don't we start off with, um, yeah, take it away, guys. We'll, we'll start off with the first section. Um, yeah, I mean, we we got a lot of uh, suggestions around paying the builders. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me personally, 
like control and compensation come back to just the core of a lot of the challenges that are inherent inside of BattleBots. Um, I'll, I'll read the, the suggestion here in a second, but like uh, we, we had feedback after our season finale episode from a listener who said, um, you know, I don't care whether the builders get paid or not. I just want to see fights and I want to see more fights and I want to see more destructive fights and I don't care, you know? And like, for me, it was like, you know, pay is crucial to that because I feel different watching two millionaires fighting in the UFC versus uh, seeing two strangers who are paid nothing to fight on the street. Like one feels icky, the other feels fair. Um, so yeah, like first first kind of bucket is around paying the builders. We heard um, about this from Alexander Archer, Mike Rubino, and Eddie Friend. Um, Eddie says the builders should be allowed to get sponsorship from Discovery sponsors. So like, you know, Chevrolet or whatever, you know, sponsors Discovery. Chevrolet should also have a shot at, at sponsoring a BattleBot. Um, we also got this great quote from Adam Connis, um, who writes, Showing up is the real challenge and builders should be rewarded for it. Motorsports runs on sponsorship, but my understanding is that sponsorship is highly limited by the Discovery Channel, which is a bad situation for builders. This needs to change for builders to flourish and by extension, the sport to flourish. All sports run on sponsorship money and BattleBots doesn't pay play that game well. All right, so what are your thoughts on builder pay? First and foremost, I think we, we need to address, is this a sport? And if it is, which I think BattleBots are pushing for, you pay sports people to play their sports. In in professional sporting competitions and legitimate sporting competitions, a phrase coined by the Spinner Proof, uh, not Spinner Proof, yeah, Spinner Proof podcast, um, this is a legitimate sporting competition, or they're trying to make it that. And, and if that's the case, you need to pay your sports people. In terms of sponsors, um, I've recently, very recently, got into uh, Monster Jam, and uh, they have some pretty damn big sponsors i mean there's there's a whole truck sponsored by back again which is a massive toy company um and monster jam has been a successful sport for 40 years uh, or monster truck racing in in general uh, you know uh, the the biggest truck there grave digger 40th anniversary this year wouldn't have survived that long had it not been for their sponsors it's it's difficult because you know even down to the logo of BattleBots, like you know it's it's now very similar to a lot of other big sporting companies in the US, like mm. you know MLB or NBA or anything. Like it, the mm. red and the blue is kind of synonymous with like every single sporting league, and except the I, NHL for some reason. I don't know, you know, it's black. <laughs> it's black and blue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but you, you get what I mean. Like it's it's kind of leaning into that a little bit and kind of you know the way that the show is now presented with you know the back behind the scenes pit reporter previously with jenny and you know you've got a technical analyst now in pete abramson you go you've got the the color commentator and the kind of you know the play-by-play for me if you're gonna try and bill it as the you know a sporting competition which you know they do they have a regular season and they have the the postseason tournament just like a lot of other competitions do you know you know for me it just kind of they need to have some kind of balance and I get it's a TV show and it is, you know, mm-hmm. it's an entertainment show first and foremost. It is because that's how you get an audience with, you know, trying to entertain people to say, Hey, look at these engineers fighting with their you know things they've made in their garage or whatever. It's kind of a hard sell. Whereas, you know, if it, yeah. it's, it's that's the thing. Part of the reason why Robot Wars didn't succeed because, you know, they, they tried to put it as a sort of more factual uh, mm-hmm. buildery type show than a, uh, 
sports show of fighting robots. And I think the focus for BattleBots is definitely on the fighting robots. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm happy with that or not, but um, that is the angle they're taking with it. So, yeah, jumping back to you know what you were just talking about, you know, connecting it with other major sports leagues. Not only to your point, yes, they pay every single player in the MLB a league minimum salary, mm-hmm. but additionally, teams have caps of how much mm-hmm. they are able to spend. And if you want to spend more than that on your team, you have to pay a luxury tax, which goes to funding other parts of the league and and helping bolster some of the other teams that have like literally the smallest amount of dollars. So that's their way to kind of tip the scales back towards the center so that you have, you know, an actual exciting, uh, you know, season as opposed to just one team absolutely able to crush and dominate all of the other teams. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that they could stand to benefit from looking at that model, if, especially if they wanted to be ever taken, um, you know, seriously to the point of, of people able to, you know, bet their own dollars on the sport. I'd imagine that's one of the reasons why they're located in, in Las Vegas now, because they want to bring in that legitimacy side of the sports, uh, you know, um, you know, field of view. So. Mm-hmm they're going to have to figure out what's the formula here that we can make this more even and that we can make this more real so that mm-hmm. actual dollars can be vo- you know voted in on on bots yeah definitely uh, and it's it, it's huge it's it, it, it's a huge go, go ahead Lindsay. I, I, I saw you were starting to say something no 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 finish finish your point <laughs> <laughs> okay um but uh yeah that, that that's a huge part of it uh there, there's there's a fact of like uh, large market teams dominating smaller market teams because of the fact that they can bring in so much talent and they have so much more money to play with. Uh, so that's that, that's very important uh, to talk about. Uh, speaking of money, uh, Discovery and Warner Media just had a $43, $43 billion merger back in March. So we'll be interested to see how that affects the show going forward, if they're going to go back and look at their programming and say, hey, these shows this, this shows that. So we'll, we'll see how money shakes out. But that's just something to, to kind of keep in mind as we go forward. Uh, would, seven, would season seven be the last one? Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe they move to a live format where they travel, uh, similar to how Robots Live over in the UK does in Extreme Robots, and the, the way that the way that that works. Um, we'll get later. There's later questions in the uh, in the in the script here that are very interesting going forward. Uh, I, I I think the ba- back in the day we had the the Robot Fighting League uh, back in back in the states, and uh, I really didn't think that that had enough. It's like time given have, to it, sort of thing. It, it didn't have enough spread promotion. It, it it seemed like an underground tournament. So it'd be nice to have something like BattleBots to be like, hey, we can have this and have this live because that's another thing with betting. It's very hard to bet on something that's pre-filmed. Uh, so without people, you know, blurting out all the answers. Uh, so I mean, in any case, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that while we continue. So I'm sure more thoughts will will come as we get to later topics. I think um, also. You know, thinking about paying builders, I don't know that they are going into this expecting it right now to be their living the way that like it is for major league, you know, baseball players or whatever. But I do think like they, it's not fair for them to have to invest eighty thousand, a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars of their own money, so then they can participate in a show that makes other people money. Like that, I think, is at the core of what builders are asking for right now. If this thing ever became more than a TV show, became a real league, became a traveling thing, whatever, like I think at that point, 
they should be expecting more of like a salary or more of like a steady income from something like this. But like at the very least, they should not be having to go into debt and like forego being able to put a deposit on a house because they are building a robot for a TV show. And I think like fundamentally that is what makes me the most frustrated about this whole thing. And I do like, I just refuse to believe that there is no avenue to have like for the show to allow them to recoup that money. I think there must be know, a way around it somewhere, right? Like there's, there's, yeah. there's surely some, some compromise that can be made like along the way. Like I've, I've often wondered like whether, you know, I, I know recently within the last couple of years, you know, sports like formula one have introduced a cost cap where you have a, a set limit on how much you can spend like but the only issue with that i i'd think with with fighting robots is material wise you can say oh yeah you can you have a hard limit you can spend this much but then what about machining hours what about time off work right. where, where, do, where does that kind of fit into that kind of thing you know it's, it's difficult to kind of quantify you know your time basically that's that's the other factor i think with with payment it's it's tough it's, it's, there's no you know, if there was a silver bullet, we'd we'd all we'd all have the answer, right? And we'd all be right. paid a lot of money by Discovery to make it happen for BattleBots, but we don't know. It's 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 a lot to discuss, and yeah, it's just it's interesting for me. Like, there's there's no real, there's no tangible like idea at the moment where I'm like, okay, this is the right answer because, you know, as I said, someone would have already done it by now. Yeah, yeah. I think the production is so small at BattleBots, like mm. the number of full time employees that they're so focused on getting this created and getting it out the door and they don't have time to like dedicate to something like figuring out how to make it equitable for builders. Um, but I think if they want to make this something bigger than it is, they need, they need to like open it up beyond just like their childhood friends and family and make it into like an, a legitimate, you know, production company and, and, or, or more than the production company, just like an organization to kind of figure out these other components. Because it's not sustainable otherwise. Yeah. Um, like for me, cost and control are very closely tied together. So um, if you think of them as a reality show, you say, okay, well, the reality show has producers and they pick which people are going to go into the reality show. It's a two-week show. Nobody gets paid because they're just doing it for exposure. But it also doesn't cost anything. I take two weeks off of work and get flown out to LA, right? Um, so, like, my total outlay is a little bit of time and basically no money. Um, but uh, BattleBots doesn't do that because they say, hey, you can't bring, like, an endgame clone from Germany, right, um, that is really amazing. It's going to definitely win. Um, how about you build like a robot that's shaped like a spider and it like shoots silly string out of its butt, right? And then you go, okay, I'm definitely going to get destroyed in like the qualifiers and I'm just going to give you $10,000 of my family's money, right? Um, and you've told me not to build something competitive because I can't build what I want to build. So like either don't pay the builders and allow them to build whatever they want or pay the builders because you're telling them what to what to build right um you can't have your cake so, and eat it too right yeah yeah and the show only exists because the builders if the builders were not here uh there would be no show and the builders those special 80 teams literally have created this multi-million dollar show that gets put on every single year and discovery sells ads against and all of it and without the builders 
you know, like they, they determine the entire show and they are the ones who are propping it up. Um, and they're really just getting the short end of the financial stick, which really sucks. Yeah. Um, we have like 39 other suggestions. The thing is, this, I think this is like probably the most That's important, a really topic important one because yeah. this is kind of, as you mentioned, there is no show without the teams. Nope. And, you know, ultimately, I feel like this is the one that a lot of people, you know, we've seen a lot of teams come out, you know, most notably Paul Ventimiglia is not coming yeah. to BattleBots because he doesn't think it's fair for all the abilities. He said as much, you know, he said as soon as it's more equitable, then he'll come back. But because but all builders, not just for him. Exactly. Well. Yeah. He, yeah. Which is, which is, which is really good to see. You know, it's not just him saying, okay, I want more money. No, mm, yeah. everyone. Because I'm the, I'm, I'm the high talent here. Everyone else is that no. Yeah. That's even playing field. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to ask Kyle if there's anything to add, but I dread to think how long it's going to take for him to respond. <laughs> is Kyle even here? I see him here. Oh my god, well, I'm 100 here. Yes, how are you doing? <laughs> anything to add to that? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I did think uh, while Lindsay was talking about how BattleBots should increase their production because right now they're a little bit too small. Um, I did find it funny that there were so many conspiracy theories floating around from a lot of the fans and even some of the builders about, you know, the fix being in in the last uh, the last episode and during the finals. And uh, it, they're just trying to get this show up. They're just trying to make sure that, like, robots are in the box and they're not wasting TV time and TV money. They mm. really don't have time for anything right now, much less uh, conspiracy theories. So, yep. yeah, um, yeah. $1, I mean, a minute in the box. If nothing else, they should uh, they should increase their their production team just so they can, uh, you know, run massive conspiracy theories in the final. I think that would be great. <laughs> I do love the Don't fact get that the comment warriors started, Kyle. Come on now. Six seasons in to the reboot of this show. Like we've already had five seasons before, six new seasons, international robot competitions everywhere and there are still people who believe this is all fixed and the the the, the champions are predetermined this isn't classic robot wars and even then that wasn't predetermined it was messy um, how, about, yeah, how about the theory that like they don't actually put the robots in the arena and it's little rc cars instead but they just it's all like holograms the I, it's, I like it's, the, it's the charlie danger that's field. my favorite one. it's all holograms i i like the um the 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 comments I've said recently about it's being CGI or the sparks. I think that's a great yeah, one. Yeah, all, all the sparks are CGI. <laughs> None of it is real. Everything is fake. Okay, let's let's move on. Especially Kenny. Kenny's a robot. <laughs> the arena is not flat. It's round. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here for round arena theory. This is this is great. <laughs> this sounds like the next uh, next section of um, yeah. Red is going to go crazy. Yeah. Love it. Um, <laughs> let's move on to reducing toxicity in the fandom. This is much more of a fill philosophical question really it's kind of hard yeah. to kind of how do you put a muzzle on millions of people yeah you can't do you like this show good shut up <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hard right because in every single sporting event in the world there is a vocal minority that is always going to be upset when their favorites yeah. don't win you know yep I'm sure there were people that were gutted that witch doctor didn't win the final there were those that were disappointed that they were there and so on and so forth guys I know this coming from someone who, you know, enjoyed Robot Wars, you know, coming back. It was amazing to see it come back. And a lot of people were really upset with the way that ended and just love it for what it is. Uh, ultimately, yeah. there's like, you, ca you can't change it sat at home, ultimately, unless you build a competitive 
tournament winning machine and you know stomp the field there is no way you're going to change what is in front of you unfortunately i do think that there is some things that battlebots could do to help reduce the toxicity we're never going to get rid of it but no. as we've said previously in in this recording is clarity being crystal clear with the audience maybe having segments to explain how they do certain bits of production would help out a lot um we said going online to try and find these things out is never helpful battlebots has the full rule book builders guide everything up on their website nobody's going looking for it because nobody knows it's there um apart from us Apart from us, yeah, the, the hardcore <laughs> yeah. fans will will go and read through and go, look, it says it here, yeah. but you know nobody else is going to. the The biggest thing they could do to help is to make sure that the audience knows why things are happening. They've yeah. started to do that, I think, this season by showing the judges' scorecards, uh, mm-hmm. but they need to be explaining what that means in terms of the judging criteria as well in simple terms that people will understand an an idiot's guide to battle bots if you will (laughs) you know it's it's funny jevin because like and i i think back in the classic era remember when they used to cut to bill nye and used to be like oh these are the kinds of weapons you can't use explosives no entanglement this that and the other like the amount of people i saw saying i want to put an emp on my robot like like it is that easy just to kind of highlights hey you can't do this you know that'd be a great pete section hey you could do this this and this but you can't do this it's funny actually steve you've said that because i have seen comments of bring back bill nye uh, for (laughs) battlebots and i think you know what people want this sort of segment i don't know whether people just want bill nye there because he's such a great meme Mm. but he's he's he he provided something important to the show back in the day Mm -hmm. and it's something that they need to really get um Pete doing. Mm-hmm. I that, do think that, that Pete, Pete, Pete had too much. He had too much on his plate. He <laughs> apparently always has too much. He has like three days to go around the pits and check mm-hmm. in with everyone, and then they announce the draw, and he has to go around everyone again because everything has changed. Um, they need two Pete's. Is, is basically the consensus because there needs to be an on-camera Pete and then also a Pete going around the pits, going, "What are you doing? How do you do it? What are you going to do for this fight, etc." Mm-hmm. But you know. Another point that will come up a lot, I'm sure, is communication. Because if you're going to do that, those two people need to then be communicating for on-screen talks and pits talks and making sure that they're getting it all right. It's the same with the refing. It's the same with production builders. It's the same with production and the audience. Communication is key. Um, and and yeah. you've yeah. just got to have good talking. Yeah. Something, something that, the, you know, that the production would point out there is this is all about money too, right? Like having another Pete back there running around that costs time, that costs money running those segments cost time and cost money. And it makes the, um, uh, the Alaskan, what, what did you say, Luke? It was the Alaskan truckers. Ice road, mouth ice road trucker mouth upset. <laughs> yeah. Upset because there's not robots making each other go boom on their screens for three seconds or four seconds or whatever during the, during the show. They want nine fights a show. You know, we're getting seven or eight. That's not enough for them. They need more. So mm. that's a that's a tough proposition. Maybe it, it really does come down to just a better produced YouTube product where yeah. they are like getting that. that information out there for more people, right? For people who yeah. are interested to go look at, go out of their way and look at things and yeah. want to say, hey, I want, I want to learn about this. Maybe even just... Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. It's not, it, don't worry, the, the names are hidden. Don't worry. The number's not. No, no, it will be. Don't worry. 
Oh, well, let me read it out quickly. <laughs> no, I, I do think um, that if they are going to put it all on YouTube and it's a fantastic idea, then they should advertise it like they were doing for the... Uh, and you can go and fill in your own bracket by going to this website. Mm-hmm. You can go and check out the judge's decision and all of the rules around it by going to this website or mm. go and check out this video. I mean, back in 2018, just before we had the, uh, the five-way rumble, um, that sparked massive controversy. They put out a video explaining yeah. the rules on Rumbles. Yep. Yeah. Because they knew it this, was coming. Yeah. I mean, it made us all incredibly worried for good reason, but uh, it explained what happened in that fight perfectly. And yeah. YouTube is the biggest audience you're going to get outside of the main broadcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that covers toxicity quite well. It's it's kind of hard to quantify. It's It's more of a people just need to stop being assholes, basically. So, sorry if you need to bleep that, but it's just... It's, <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. enjoy it for what it is. Like, yeah. why why can't we just be happy for everybody? Why does it matter necessarily, like, who takes home the giant nut? It's, like, the show is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, like, incredible engineering in all of the bots in the top 32, top mm-hmm. 8 like the top four we should be excited that there is like a diverse spread of robots in we had you know the flipper we had you know tantrums like a puncher like we should be so happy that this was like a diverse year rather than mad because our favorite didn't win like Mm -hmm. get a new favorite they're all great (laughs) yeah we we said constantly throughout the like when the 32 was announced we said with pete abramson that any of the 32 could have been champion. Any one mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And actually, outside of that 32, there, it was such a strong lineup this season. I think what people forget a lot is that also these robots are run by actual human beings and you need to treat them as such. Um, so, yeah, please I, remember that. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why the toxicity is able to be so potent here in combat robotics is because the builders are so accessible and they're part of the fandom yeah right you know some of the the biggest fans of the sport participate in the sport and so they're right there shoulder to shoulder with some of those people who will you know spit vitriol uh out into the airwaves online and in in on reddit you know and they're there they're there front and center now if i was to lob an insult at uh, a star nba player they don't care they're going to hop in their uh, helicopter and they're going to go to the restaurant they want to go to tonight and then they're going to go house shopping uh, and they don't care what i have to say but these are the people that are putting up their time their money their energy they're building uh the sport um and carrying it on their own shoulders and then they have to stand side by side with those same people that are are telling them that their bot sucks or you know put a gun on it or you know whatever and it's it's it sucks i think we are in a privileged position us here on recording in that we out of most get to talk face to face with both builders and audience uh we the these podcasts are the middle ground and this is where you hear the the actual talking with them behind the bots you talk about the the builders outside of a building scenario we talk to them about what's gone on in the matches as well as you do as well it's a a real privilege to actually get to do that but it also means that we we have to be the ones to you know make sure that the audience hear it too Mm -hmm. which i think is nice because we do that quite nicely i think 
I'm not sure I had a point to that whole thing, but I thought it was worth saying. It's, it's, it's another thing as well, because, you know, you, um, Chris, you mentioning, you know, talking to an NBA player, like, for example, they will all have, like, social media teams that look after their accounts as well, and they'll be, you know, they'll have loads of filters of, you know, you'll see a message if you want, if it's good, or, like, you'll see a message if it's meant to be seen. These teams, they just do it for the fun of it. They run these accounts off their back. They, you know, they, as I said, very accessible through, you know, various social medias. They're going to see everything, because... They can't, you know, they're not going to pay someone to run their social media for them because that, what, like, it, it's their, you know, it's their thing at the end of the day, isn't it? So we've seen quite a lot of builders over the years quit social media because of it, mm. and I think that's wrong. Yep, just yeah. wrong. Absolutely. Should we talk about some rules? Oh. Sure. <laughs> they're made to be broken. No. Uh. <laughs> um, why don't you guys take us away with uh, the start of the people and rules section? Um, yeah, I think we could probably combine some of these, you yeah, know, absolutely. just generally talking about judging, judges, and criteria. <laughs> so, you know, currently it's five points for damage, three points for control, three points for aggression. There was some talk about changing those around. Uh, a couple of people said that aggression should be, um, you know, given more weight than than uh, than damage, which I think is an interesting idea. Modern um, Robot Wars spec that would be, um, and I think a lot of the judges' decisions in Modern Robot Wars were pretty on point. Um, aggression outweighed damage and control. Um, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, some some like ideas around let's add more judges, you know, let's uh, really stuff the bench with five, maybe seven judges. Some people said, you know, we have three judges, each judge should focus on a specific category, you know, instead of asking three people to see all three categories at the same time. Um, and, you know, other people said we should rotate the judges so that we always have kind of this fresh look um you know obviously there's there's a couple of people who would just love to fire the judges and bring in new judges um so i guess just in general judging criteria judges as people number of judges uh, our thoughts there and listen we can say what's happening right now is totally fine too i mean like yep. these suggestions you know not all of them are good sam all right yeah <laughs> i don't know the uh, the the i think the the one of the biggest issues again is communication between judges and the audience in that um people don't know how judges decisions work properly like none of us really know what what's going through the judges heads it's been interesting watching back uh, battlebots 2018 has been broadcasting alongside the end of this season is is broadcasting every day 7 p.m. gmt on itv4 i'll plug you um and the uh the interesting thing it's is actually that they... bst by the way not the gmt oh yeah that <laughs> fine i forgot time zones are horrible um the they did rotate some of the judges in 2018 and um the the biggest crime i think happened in the episode that was on yesterday where it was a decision between yeti and bombshell and one of the judges just says one of them was still moving at the end of the match so i gave them the win it's like you've got a whole set of criteria you use <laughs> them you fool um it's it's yeah frustrating I quite like the idea of one judge looking at one criteria um, because that way you get consistent judging of that criteria all the way through the season. It might mean that it's horribly skewed one way for the entirety of a season, but at least it's consistent. I'm going to throw something out there. I don't think there have been any bad decisions this year. 
like you can argue the tantrum hydra one was like the closest one and you know even they thought that they lost you know that the tantrum team thought they lost but by the criteria tantrum wins the fight because mm-hmm. also it's difficult as well because when you look at the criteria as it is written currently damage carries the most weight and i feel like it will just have to stay that way because ultimately battlebots is a tv show and damage is kind of the thing that the people look for you know you want to see ghost raptor get split into five million pieces you know a good control match you know like a like defender versus retrograde was it where that got highlighted onto youtube and it was it was no damage in the fight but it was a good driving fight that was highlighted because it the eyeballs just don't get drawn to it as much as ghost raptor getting blown to pieces whiplash didn't have a weapon or didn't have a weapon. This is a comment I've seen, and uh, it's ridiculous. That Nate, <laughs> no, we're not getting rid of lifters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but the, the, there's been multiple comments online on on the YouTube fights for um, Whiplash that Whiplash doesn't have a weapon. Well, it does. It's a lifter. It's always been a lifter. They just decided not to put the spinner on, but it because it didn't have its spinner on, it's ended up on YouTube. That's the difficulty. I, I, I feel like. In terms of having more judges as well, like in an ideal world, yeah, great. Have more, have more, like have more consistent results. You know, you get five judges. That's the other thing. Jevon mentions. You know, money is also a factor in this. Where if you're going to be paying another two people, another four people, that's all well and good. But do you want to do that when the format's been the same for so long and people are used to it? That's the other thing. It's also interesting. Uh, uh, so the judges cannot go back to being roboteers at the moment. Only after two years of being away from the thing. And that's apparently a uh, rule in broadcasting or something like Conflict that. Conflict of interest, absolutely. And yeah. it, 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 you, you don't want to have to, you know, to deal with that. We spoke with this about, uh, with sorry, we spoke about this with Mike Jeffries, didn't we? Because he was talking and he was kind of helping design the matrix, the damage yep. matrix for this season. And he was mentioning, okay, well, it's kind of unethical almost for him to then start competing again when he's had such an influence, I suppose, in the rules yeah i will also say this year's rule set has been the tightest yet uh it's the one i've liked the most yet there have been some questionable things in there um but on the whole it's worked out pretty well looking back on the season Uh, i think that the biggest issue we had going into the season was just ignored in the ooters were made illegal but we'll get to that (laughs) yeah um so it's yeah i think this this year's rule set has been really quite rugged all of the judges have been using them well uh, it's just that people don't understand them quite as well as they need to and I to think, put like... through an idea oh no Lindsay and i again oh. you you go first this time <laughs> i cut you off last time sorry sorry uh just real quick like and that's why i think you don't want to have rotating judges why you don't want to have fresh faces you want someone who is like entrenched in the rules and know them in and out so that they're not using their gut or like what they think happened they're they they know the rules inside and out and like you only get that by doing it for a long time and like dedicating yourself to understanding the rules and and i think like that above all else should be protected yeah i also like the idea uh, it's given by alexander archer who says they need to show the judging cards after every fight it could be put up where it says who won the fight put up the judges results just, like, just in the corner of the screen that kind yeah of like kind that, of like how they have the pre-fight interview in the corner of the screen yeah it, it would be a simple fix to more clarity 
Mm-hmm. And kind of like how Havoc does it. Every time there's a judge's decision, you know, whether or not it worked. We can see Jack on the screen. <laughs> that's but yeah, that's the main thing. But at least the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Anything uh, more, sweetie? I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get what the criticism is because right now we have Greg Munson's iPhone photo that sometimes goes up onto the broadcast. I don't even know where these cards go at the end of like the show. Do they just chuck them in the trash? I mean, like at some it's point, it's going to be. A, they don't put them up. It's it's going to be at some point they uh they'll have collected enough of them and they're just going to sell them on eBay. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> here are all the judges' results. Enjoy. <laughs> Turn them into right. a sculpture. Yes. They use yeah. them as napkins. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, one one th- one idea I'd like to post uh, is is something similar that the the International Olympic Committee do is that they throw out the highest and lowest judging scores. So say if you had more judges and you wanted to get, eliminate any bias or anything like that or any strange scores, uh, mm. you can do that. Uh, but you'd, you'd you'd of course have to add a certain if you want to throw out highs and lows, you'd have to have an odd number of judges. Otherwise, you'd have ties. Well, we have um, three at the moment, so... but it's not really cu- kind of ideal to just do it with three judges is it really that, that would yeah. kind of lead more but, into the five but, or seven but that judges. idea is interesting and that that may satiate satiate people in a way where like it's if, if you have a, a card that is just like a judge's card that just seems like the judge didn't see the same fight as the other ones in the line you can you can adjust for that uh so yeah. that, that that that's something i, I would sure. say like the the golden rule of judges judging um in combat robotics is that the fans who you know that think that they saw a fight in a particular way that the judging decision goes that way and that like the criteria needs to fit that so um like when we see controversial decisions it's because the judging criteria was just a bit too obtuse or you know a little too um specific and the bot that was clearly dominating the entire fight ends up losing and that's why people are upset it's like with with beta and rotator in 2020 right yeah I've, like I, i'm watching that fight and i'm thinking okay i've watched beta dominate but the rules that i've been kind of conditioned to follow says to me that rotator wins that fight because they did the damage and that's how you know BattleBots has been forever and when beta's announced as a winner i'm like oh my god like how but also that's right but what <laughs> like it was so confusing it was it was I think, Jevon, you, you described it at the time as like, I've never been so offended by something I believe is right. Yep. <laughs> and that was basically the, the only way to describe it, really. It's it's tough. It is tough. No, there's no, again, there's no right or wrong answer, but like, it's just, it's interesting to kind of see, like, actually, so many people have kind of come up with suggesting these changes because, you know, clearly something's not quite right. Should we talk about refs as well, then? Um, yeah, briefly. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing for me with with refs i think it's not really a major issue but just make sure they can hear each other and talk to each other it's it's all communication and i said it when we were talking to the tantrum group Mm -hmm. uh that wall in the middle between the teams yes i know it's covid a covid thing but really really honestly so (laughs) i had a conversation i've I've spent the last few days with craig danby Mm -hmm. um and craig had a brilliant suggestion have a third ref and that third ref stands in between the two refs and he's head ref. And he tells the two refs when they need to start counting things Like a sky out. judge. You know, yeah, someone who is the one from the outside. He's the one communicating between the both of them. He's saying, yep, they're counting them out. Hold on, they've stopped the count. Continue to engage, etc., etc., etc. And he's calling the shots. That ref, nobody else speaks to. 
nobody can go over his head that ref is the law i like that idea good idea dan b good love craig that was very nice and simple that was wasn't it that was good yeah <laughs> um, there, there you go BattleBots is fixed everyone yes <laughs> <laughs> oh there's so much more to get through like the check in the mail <laughs> there's a comment here that says bring back jenny taft as a pit reporter it'd be nice yeah. um, i believe she's uh having or had a baby yeah. yes which is so why this she's would count as paternity absent. leave yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's going to be t- kind of difficult to bring her back. As, you know, I think she was brilliant in the two seasons. Two seasons? Three seasons? Yeah. Two, two seasons. seasons. Two seasons. That she was there. Um, I thought she was really, really good, and she offered offered a lot to the show. Um, it's just depending on schedule, really. Like, it'd be yeah. nice to kind of see. She also works for a whole other sports network, too. Then she again, does. so does Chris. Yeah. But still, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And I know yeah. Kenny does stuff with UFC. It's like, like these people, they have other lives outside of BattleBots. They do mm-hmm. a lot. So... I, I think I think like this has been a topic that we've talked a lot about um, where it just feels like there's a lot of fluff this season, particularly like a lot of slow motion shots, a lot of laser eyes, a lot of people crossing their 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 arms, you know, freaking money out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a and lot like, of dead time, you know, and, and, and a yeah. lot of the same interviews. I, I think the interviews were cool. I'm going to kind of jump in on what you're saying here, Luke, where yeah. it's like, I, I feel like the, the lead up interviews for the fights were cool when they first started showing up in season three, back with discovery first got it, but they become kind of rote where it's like, Oh, we're going to go in and, and use our weapon and, and dominate the round. And it's like, all right, cool. If you don't do that, then I think there's something wrong with you. Also, uh, they're, they're getting longer and longer uh, yes. and it's taking time out of the fights we could be seeing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not very specific. It's not like you're going in and you're saying, hey, I've got a huge wedge and they've got a horizontal spinner. I really should be the one to come out on top of this just physically, you know, and like watch for the rock, paper, scissors, you know, like I'm, I'm feeling really confident about this. It's all this like kind of self-deprecating, like, I don't know, they're pretty great. You know, I wonder what's going to happen. And it's like, okay, great. Like how many of those can I really hear worth like, without like substance, you know? Um, but I, I think when people say like, bring back Jenny Taff, what they really mean is like, bring back the view of the pits. Like we saw very few like pit segments at all. And like the really interesting stuff is happening in the pits and like bring back better questions, bring back more insights from the builders, bring back more builder faces and voices um, versus just kind of the long shots of the, the, the robots and, you know, with the lasers coming out, you know, um, there was a wonderful seg- segment that got cut of, uh, Pete Abramson talking to Aaron Hill regarding Blip and how it works. That's the sort of stuff we want to see. Yeah, right. I imagine COVID plays like some factor in it because I know that Pete could only go into the pits for like, what, a half hour a day and can only spend 10 minutes with any one person. So I imagine that like limited what they could do. But again, like I'm sure there's a creative workaround. It's just like a matter of having a person there dedicated to figuring out yeah. that workaround. Yeah, you could have you could have Pete happen. in a box in the lower yeah. right hand corner and he's asking like through the PA yeah. questions and the you have your your you know pit cam crew that are there and getting the close ups of the shots of the bot and everything and have like a drone camera. Those are like so, you know, um can be driven so specifically. I don't know. Something. You could even because they've got the building, they could just wire up some cameras to do a flyover shot of over the building and 
um, you know, it, it would work. They've got the space. Yeah. They've got. Yeah. I, I had yeah. proposed to, to Norwalk Havoc. A really great idea would be to have um, uh, a, like a repetitive GoPro shot over every team's table. So like you can like, like see what that feed is like and like what's happening as uh, like the war of attrition kind of parses down the teams. There's always that one consistent overhead shot of a table. Um, I think that would be pretty cool. I also like the idea that we would get some of the the funny antics of like we saw a little bit of it of the Copperhead team uh, using their tools to do nothing because they'd finished working on the bot and and just starting you know I can't remember what exactly they were doing like hoovering the top of the robot or something like that but I I like the idea we would get to see some of those antics as well because there's a lot that goes on we don't see um you know people like having fun. A couple years ago, there was Will Bales having like the go-kart, I forget what exactly happened. We had like a go-kart ride with Hypershock, like in mm-hmm. the back and like, that was fun. And he kind of- Yeah, he had, yeah and he had Jenny take it around. That was that, that yeah. was that segment. And she had her, had her drive to see if she could do as well as he did around that track. That was cool. And Jenny got yeah. into big trouble for that, actually. She, uh, yeah. apparently production was not happy that they like took all this time and uh, took all this space in the back to make that happen. But that was a great segment. I thoroughly I enjoyed that. Crew, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I think the safety crew came and shut them down, uh, is, is what <laughs> I've been did. told. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but it was the, still the, fun. Yes. That, and that's the thing where like, there's this concept in, in Lean Six Sigma where you have something that's value added. You're actually adding worth to the show. Uh, where instead of you're just killing time and filling time just to meet just to meet your runtime, uh, where in this case we're talking about a TV show, not like a business run, you know what I mean? But it still it still relates. Uh, where if if you're not doing something that's adding value to your product, why are you doing it? I don't think um, we want the show to be all killer, no filler, but we do want yeah. it to be decent filler. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if you're gonna do filler, just make it make it good. Yeah. Um, should we just move on to? like other like smaller rules like a maximum fork length with the kind of trend going the way things are at the moment you know we've seen endgame come out with ridiculously long for longer than the entire chassis of the robot i'm mm. i want 40 foot forks i want to see <laughs> yeah. eight oh, foot of forks <laughs> yeah the, the they should is... just have a formula for you know you take the maximum fork length and that uh you know exponentially grows the size of the kill slots yeah. Right. Until everyone's just it's driving just over, driving around a massive kill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're just riding on on grill slots, basically. I think. Uh, see, the thing is with that though, like. I think. Go on. Go 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 go. Oh, I think they already have a limit on forks, and it's called Minotaur and Daniel Freitas. <laughs> like, just drive your forks in against him, and he'll limit your forks real quick and yeah. easy. It's, it's he, not he, hard, you know. Your forks too long. Daniel Freitas will solve it. Yeah. But even then, like, there is also just the limitation of maneuverability. Like, there will come a point when you have forks that are so long, you know, we kind of, we almost saw it with Hydra and Endgame where, you know, Jake was able to maneuver in such a way where Endgame was struggling to kind of turn the way that he wanted to. And there will come a day where the builders will realise that long forks are not the answer. And I think we're, we're getting close to it. Um, honestly, I think this point, is one of the things. Mm. Yeah, I think this is one of the things where people are going to go, "Okay, that was dumb. We're not going to do that again." And and we're we're seeing that now. The long forks just they don't win fights. They don't make fights interesting. Well, they, do, uh, they, they definitely win fights. It's just that they might not win every not fight. Not always. There's, 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 Scorpios yeah, versus thing. Whiplash. Such that's... a close judge's decision because both of them had long forks and neither of them could get an advantage over each other. Possibly one one of the slowest matches of the season, I would say 
in the fact that neither robot could really do much to the other um, because long forks got in the way. So an idea I've, um, I can't remember who had it, but uh, have a rule saying you can only have forks if they're powered. That was Jake. Um, yeah. That, yeah. N- no, that was uh, was that was it? Yeah, it was Jake. It was Jake. It was Jake. Yes. Powered forks and say, it either it's a part of a lifting setup or you've got like motors or something. I don't know, keeping them down. I, but have them as powered. And BattleBots has the power mm-hmm. to say they could do that or not. Yeah. But... Or they could keep changing the arena profile and just make it even harder for them to use forks. We'll get to uh, that, I think, in a, in well, a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the other thing, big kind of rule issue, uh, translational if I could speak, translational movement. Now, there is a post due, apparently, yeah. from, from BattleBots. Well, there's a, there's, now. A, there's a post regarding unsticks to BattleBot supporters mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant at the time and then went well hang on a minute they've only introduced this to supporters yeah it should have been there <laughs> why, why is this not global why because is they're it... scared about the outrage they're yeah. scared mm-hmm. I think it's because also they're trying to finalise some of the details and cross the we're guinea pigs cross the T's and not the I's yeah mm-hmm. the Sorry. general consensus so far I don't, I don't so mean far... to be so mean just true <laughs> <laughs> the general consensus of the guinea pigs so far has been positive though I think yeah. A lot of people are fine with it, but yeah, until, there's until the cobalt duck happens again. That, that, that's that's when it all starts going I, the way. <laughs> as, as the biggest hater of that outcome, I'm perfectly happy with that if it means we don't get the alternative is worse. I think. Yeah. Yes. Like it, ultimately, both both sides are a compromise. You know, everyone wants to see a, a, a full fight go the go the distance, and you know, both robots work how they're meant to for the for the duration. The issue is, if they get stuck, then then they get stuck it's like sometimes count them out sometimes it do be like that yeah it's the same with translational movement though i feel and you you did mention it and then we went off topic i think if a robot's still moving they're moving um it doesn't matter about the the outcome of the fight at that point they're going to be losing points if it does get to a judge's decision or they're going to get absolutely bodied by the working robot (laughs) so i actually had a, a theory about this one and this could kind of tie with the with the head ref thing so what you could do is if one ref is starting to think, okay, you're not moving freely. The ref will then say to the head ref, okay, I'm going to start counting them out. Then the head ref says to the ref, okay, go back to your corner. You wait there. Go back to your starting square. If they can get back to their starting square within a set time, let's say 10 seconds, then, okay, fight can resume. Kind of like a, like a pause in boxing. Like, you know, when they get kind of clutched in together, they, you know, they, the ref pulls them apart. And then off you go again. Kind of right, you got ten seconds to get back up on your feet, essentially. Yeah, boxing, exactly. Right? Exactly. Similar, similar kind of concept. You know, you get ten seconds to kind of. And that's where the because it. the the count out is actually twenty seconds. It's ten seconds to check, ten seconds to mm-hmm. count. Yeah. Yes. That ten seconds to check could be that. Mm-hmm. Get back to that square over there, or go to a certain spot, or even somebody mm-hmm. has suggested have a spotlight come down over the robot, and if you can yeah. get out of that spotlight fully, the fight continues. Yeah, yeah. I think and, like. Yeah. Sorry, go for it. <laughs> no, yeah. This is just going to be a thing. Stephen uh, is, is, is the one, ultimate, you know. <laughs> I, I am the ultimate blocker of words. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, j- just one one quick thing, and then I'll let you go. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the fact of having a spotlight would be nice. Uh, so we, not, not only just that, but also a, a more clear understanding of what uh, constitutes avoidance in a fight, uh, where you're, you're basically trying to uh, end the, the fight clock. early. Yeah, in a way, you know, and it's one, it's not good TV, and two, it's just not right. 
Um, because the fight is still going on. You've been to enough live events, I think all, all of us have, where a fight, like a, a robot is just limping along, but you're still, like, they're still trying to take it to the opponent, but the other, the opponent, you can't be penalized for the other opponent being faster than you just because you got banged up. And, and I you're think still somewhat functional. If you, if you are, so if the count out is happening, you get engaged with, from the moment they stop engaging again, continue the count. Don't restart the count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, what it comes down to and there need to be more definition around what this means but if you can pursue your opponent in a in in a way like then i think the match should continue on like i don't think in any world ribot should have been counted out because ribot was still actively pursuing their opponent same with minotaur yeah you know and and who knows what can happen like if the other, if their opponent goes in for an attack, like then they have an op- an opportunity to also like counterattack, and that can change the course of the fight. So I think it is, it has to be a. If you can pursue your opponent, they should still be pursuing you, right? I don't know. It, it just seems like we want to avoid situations in the future where one one bot can pursue their opponent, but the other bot is not yeah um and i know that there was like a number of reasons why that happened in the minotaur and witch doctor fight i'm not putting blame on witch doctor at all but like just in the future we that is something that could have been avoided with like proper guidance proper communication proper i was gonna say that whole situation was caused by poor communication between the refs so yeah yeah i think the other really like minor thing with regard to this is the, a smaller field idea. Um, I'm, I get where the commenter, I think the guy was uh, Josh on our YouTube uh, community Josh post. Neil. Josh Neal. I get it. Everyone should have the same amount of fights, which you know we've we've kind of alluded to already. You know, in in our own separate podcast, we kind of said you know we were kind of disappointed that some teams only got two, some teams got three having a smaller field does limit a bit of um variation like variation just by definition the fact there's a Mm -hmm. smaller field you know i don't want to think of a world where you know you're not going to see some of our favorites come back you know it's it's kind of i don't know what do you think it's it's an interesting one because if we have a smaller field i think it reduces then the number of new bots we get because BattleBots has basically brand ownership of a lot of the bots we see on tv like your hypershocks your witch doctors your tombstones they're all big names and they're all marketable and they've all got toys hypershock soon thank god and um the the issue with reducing the field is that we get to see less and less new bots there was already a lack of new bots this season i feel there there weren't many of them there were good ones um and you know we we didn't get to see the likes of a two-headed death flamingo or you know, uh, other new bots. I'm using two out of different because you're here, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, we need more bots, I think. Uh, I think, And um, with the field reducing, I don't think that's the way to go about it. Um, I have an idea about how to, how to mitigate this later on, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I was going to say a bigger field would need a slight shake-up in the tournament format, I feel. Mm-hmm. We'll, get, we'll get to that a bit later on. I think one of the big things is we used to have more room for more robots because during the two-week filming, it was just the BattleBots competition. Now, in the same amount of time, it's both BattleBots and Bounty Hunters. Yeah. And so now they're trying to squeeze in two separate shows into the same amount of filming. 
And I feel like while it's cool to be able to have bounty hunters, we are, you know, facing the consequences of that in having fewer bots and having fewer interesting bots, new bots, which I think like add in that like lifeblood to the show. Yeah. Because you don't want it to just be the same 30 bots year after year after year. That's going to be one of the quickest ways to having the show get canceled, in my opinion, because it's yeah. gets stale. It's interesting you say that looking at the the filming schedule for this season because they release it to the audience when you go to buy tickets or you get to see what what you're going to see and the first week was the opening rounds it's not enough time and some of those were dark days where they they are just building it's like there's not enough time to get the full field their three fights recorded just needs to be longer or you'd need to look at what you're recording and how you're producing it i love bounty hunters but if it was a toss-up between having bounty hunters and having a full competition i'd choose a full competition we a builder that we spoke to this season i won't mention who because it could get him into trouble but basically like they likened it to a restaurant and if you go into a restaurant you you know and they have an amazing pudding or dessert or whatever you have an amazing dessert that's great but you also want your starter and your main to be good as well otherwise Mm. what's the point you know, and having, you know, Bounty Hunters is a great dessert. It's wonderful. But make sure that your house is in order first before you kind of get to that point. Especially to, to that point, though. Oh, sorry, Lindsay, go ahead. No, just one real quick, like, especially because bots, the teams will suffer because their sponsors now get less airtime. They might yes. reconsider wanting to sponsor again. And so mm-hmm. you're making it even more unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, just based on our uh, now literal years of experience at Norwalk Havoc, even though we've only been doing it for a little over a year, um, there, there is a period of time at the end of the tournament where, you know, you're down to your last few bots. You're down to uh, just the time limits between things where, where bots have to be fixed and repaired and prepped and whatnot, and the arena needs to be reset, where you do have time for grudge matches, for uh, rumbles, for all of those things. They used to fill that time with other stuff. You know what I mean? Like now um, that that time is just filled with bounty hunters, which I think is mm-hmm. technically a good use of the production time, production schedule. And, you know, it does get more airtime, not as prominent of airtime but more airtime for the bots to to be on air for their sponsors and to show what they can do and try out new things um so i'm not necessarily opposed to bounty hunters i do think that in this situation you're you're talking about field reduction is like the only thing that makes any sense or you do make it three weeks of filming, but you only, as a team, you only have to be there for two, right? Like, um, like the, there should be uh, no requirement for anybody to be there that first week, but if you want to get in and get your fights, especially if you're a new team, that's the time to do it. Um, that would make the most sense to me to fix this problem, but man, it's a complicated problem. They've got a lot to jam into those two weeks, and you really can't ask these people to be there longer than two weeks when you're not paying them. Yeah, I think it's also an issue uh, that they had a whole day taken out by uh, Power Cut this year, uh, which is obviously not ordinary operational 
process, but you know, um, it, it didn't help matters this year. I'm hoping that improves for the next season, and you know, hope they get more time. But as, you're absolutely right, Kyle. If they're getting paid for those three weeks, they're more likely to want to go for those three weeks, right? That easy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the the other thing is, from what I understand, the power cut. Um, did not limit them too terribly much. Like they got through everything they were planning on filming that day, but I think it did add to this air of oh crap, right for the whole season. Like oh no, we're behind, um, and that that's never a good situation to be in when you're trying to be creative, when you're trying to, you know, figure out the best storylines, figure out the best content. You never want to be in a place with oh I'm behind. This is terrible. You want to be in in a place where you're. On schedule, you're comfortable, you've got some room, you've got some things you can do. And, you know, that's not what they had this year at all. Nope. Let's talk arena changes. Um, do you guys want to start with this Uh-oh. one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Upper Deck, it was uh, highly contentious. Uh, we've heard, you know, behind the scenes that it was a surprise. So, um Trey Roski, one of the the co-founders of BattleBots, one of the co-owners of BattleBots, um, he is obsessed with the arena. It's kind of like his arena, and um, he cooked up this idea for the upper deck in the off season, built it, and then told everyone just several weeks before filming. And um, it was very rushed to get details about the upper deck out to the builders, so the builders weren't. You know, they they didn't know like uh, what how large the gap was. They you know um, along the rails uh, of the upper deck, um, and there there were some like initial ideas that the 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 only way you're going to get off the upper deck is over those those um, you know rotating screws, and that you know it was going to be closer to a a true proper ball pit or whatever. <laughs> um, and a lot of those got scrapped. Um, you know, 10 second count out that is gone. So in the end, it was just this kind of neutered thing that sat in the arena. And um, I would argue no one really used it super effectively. Yeah, it was um, benign. Benign, yes. It didn't really yeah. offer anything, did it really? Like for, for me, I mean, I've seen so many comments on, on both of our posts saying, oh, they should get rid of it because it didn't really offer anything, which is, it's just true. But the thing is, my dog's just shaking her, herself. The the issue is, I feel, is that it just wasn't utilised well enough. Like, if they'd have gone with the original... Oh, she's got her toy. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> Remember to cut this bit. Oh, no, keep it in. Keep it in, even better. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so basically, what, what my, my thing is, if they'd have gone with the original idea of have the... Upper, upper deck be fully enclosed the only way off is over the screws and as soon as add you go some on there jeopardy doesn't it that's what i mean just add, add a little bit of jeopardy to it like you have 10 seconds you've got to get off within 10 seconds or else you are out like i know it's it's not a pit but it is still like you get, pit. it's a pit that's a little higher than the floor it's the anti-pit yeah it's, it's the it's the anti-pit but like that's the thing i feel like if they'd have done that instead and said okay it you know it is then a legitimate threat. If you're a flipper, you want to put someone up there because, hey, if they're up there for 10 seconds and they've got to sell fright and they've got to get off the screws if they're not spinning the right way, then you're in trouble. Like, you've got I to... did like the the clarity of the countdown and everything. The, the light tree flashing red when they were up there but... to say, uh-oh. That but wasn't it... translated on... I don't think they ever talked no. about that once on broadcast. No, no, no. no. So it's assumed. Yeah. Another thing. 
Yeah. But, but origi- I think the original idea was if they if they just still up, like stay up there for too long, they just get counted out, right? That was the initial. If they're up there for 10 seconds, they're counted out. Yeah. Well, that's the same as the rest of the arena. (laughs) Make it an official rule. Like, as soon as you go up there, count starts. You've got 10 seconds to get off. If you don't get off, sorry, you lose. The floor is lava. Literally. The shelf is lava. I think what would make the the shelf a bigger threat is have two of them, but in the corners. So the only way up and the only way down is then the screws that are there. And there is no other way off because you're stuck in a corner otherwise. Um, I don't know how big you'd make them, but it would also open up the arena a little bit more. It would re- like get rid of these stupid side kill zones in which the vertical spinners can uh, just corral you and keep you. And that's apparently not corralling, and unless it is corralling, in which case it's corralling. Um, the, it's, it's the biggest issue with, with the arena at the minute, I think, is not the deck itself, it's the areas beside it it has caused. And if you put the upper deck in those corners it then opens up the arena and it gives you everything you wanted and more <laughs> i'm selling little it to raised you, areas how about little raised areas where the pulverizers are where you get them up on top of them and then if if, if they have a hard time getting down you know it's you're really going to get hammered on uh or there was another there was another comment that was posted i think it was in our our uh, our final uh, episode review with with the tantrum team, where somebody uh, talked about putting in something similar to a pyramid ramp in a skate park, where at least it gives some three D definition to the arena, but it doesn't cause this huge wart. I I I I, I like the way that I described it in the in the preview, Sam, where like it's like you pulled a drawer out from the side of the arena, and then there's, there's just the shelf here. Um, so I mean that's there's ideas. I, I still like around. the the upper deck as a like slot machine and it's going in and out. Not slot machine, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna push push you out or it's gonna get you stuck. So um, really leaning to Vegas. I think if if you were to go for the two corner sections, if they really don't like the idea of Uters, it gives robots more of an opportunity to get back into the arena um, than the Uter zones do because the Uter zones when you're out, good luck getting back in. It's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, it's it's too tight for starters, but also it adds the level of jeopardy we've talked about before in the the doors are there and they they want to be safe around the doors. Why they don't just use the other door, I don't know. That wasn't um, brought up. The um, oh God, let's have a look. Alex, Alexander Archer again kind of said add added two dedicated Uta zones, which why not put them the other side of the arena, out of the way of the doors. Doors can open freely if you Uta this side. Oh, my dog's barking. That doesn't bear with me. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, so if if you ooter on that side, just don't use that door to access. Use the other door. You've got two. Uh, you made that for COVID. It's a simple fix. Um, you know, sliding doors would also work in that you could... It's safer than having two sections you need to open or even have a top section you can open to lean over and deactivate the robot, make it safe, and then you can open the second door. There, there was an interesting idea from Chris Horry to add death zones where you could demonstrate to the judges control. If you can kill your opponent and corral them into a specific, say, circle, 
um, in the corner of the box, you have shown total control, total domination, total destruction, and I can win more control points that way. Um, you know, if I can keep my my opponent in a death zone like the shelf or, you know, even just a drawing on, on the floor um, without them escaping, you know, I can win more control points there, more aggression points, perhaps. Um, I thought that was a really interesting idea from Chris. We just had like a lot of questions about Uda, like, I mean, including just selective use of like, you know, Uda rules where it's like, hey, uh, I, I added the arena somebody, but um, I had a big enough oopsie face. So, you know, the refs, you know, believed that I didn't do it on purpose. You I know? think there was a discussion had before the season on what constitutes yeah. new to the driver's meeting. Definitely. Because the, the end game teams, I, I, I remember that being brought up that the end game team was like, you, you can't. Well, not just them, but just, I remember them being a, a vocal majority of it, that being talked about and saying, hey, you can't get rid of the one way that we won the season last year. And also yeah. there's the, the, it, you, you, you you can't cut out a way for a match to end that people have designed for yeah. uh, right before an flippers. event. Like, I think what they, how, how do flippers KO an opponent now? Yeah. Like, right. it, it was discussed at this be builder meeting, I believe, that you had to drive your rope or drive your opponent across the arena a certain distance and then get them out for that to be the thing. You know, sort of how Tantrum did to rotate. <laughs> um, and Hydra did to graph. Yeah, and yeah. I, I know Endgame didn't mean to with Swordblades, but they still no. did. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's one that's very blasé, and they just went, ah, oh, sod it, and yeah. <laughs> full yeah. sent if, it. If they're going to, like, introduce a rule like that, they kind of need to either enforce it, or, like... Just not introduce it in the first or, yeah, place. Yeah, like, like there's, there's the, you know, it's... it's an Uter is very black or white. They're either in the yeah. arena or they're out of it. And I, I think Uters <laughs> yeah. have been a staple of the sport for a good many years. To rid of them at this point is... Uh, Thanks, bad. George. That was <laughs> yeah. real good of you George Francis. back in the years. <laughs> the ultimate oopsie face. <laughs> yep, that was the ultimate oopsie face. Because it's like, oh man, I, this has never been done before. Am I supposed to do this? Am I DQ'd? You know, did they break uh, something? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so I, I have two thoughts about this. Like one, I, I was given a pit pass this, this past season and um, the, like there were probably three gripes that I heard from a lot of builders. And one of them was Uda's. They were saying, you know, we got guidance that if a vertical spinner Uda somebody, then that's fine. But if a flipper does it, then that shows intent. And if there's what? intent, then they're going to get disqualified. <laughs> and every single flipper other, right? bot was like, you're just making this more difficult for me. Like, do you just not want flippers to win ever? You know? And like that, that was like a huge kind of complaint that I heard in the pits. The other is like kind of coming back to this idea of like, we should create higher stakes inside of the box like if i uda somebody maybe that is an automatic disqualification and i have to like make sure that i don't do that you know um just because i can right um or if i put somebody up on the on the upper deck you know then that triggers when i'm out of contact like i mean there can be more interesting ways to like inject um stakes into the arena where it's like oh i don't want to go over there that's yeah. the corner of the box that I don't want to be in, right? Um, like maybe you split the arena down the middle and you say, hey, this is the blue side and this is the red side. For every single second that I'm on my side, I'm clearly showing a lack of control. Like I have to push my opponent back into their side of the arena, you know? And like there's, I just think there's like more interesting things we can do, floors, lava kind of ideas um, versus what we do now, which is just like, 
hey, we've got a bunch of hazards that don't really do a lot. We've got some arena stuff that doesn't really do a lot. We've got UDAs that aren't supposed to be there, but I guess they are because we didn't design anything around it. We didn't even protect our doors. You know, like it's just kind of, I, I, I think the, the arena can can have a little bit of a rethink. I think the the one of the main reasons they didn't do anything with UDAs this season because the upper deck was meant to be the replacement, but because things can just drive off of the upper deck, they they couldn't really then say, well... It's tough to be yeah. a flipper, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is, is this where we discover that Nate Franklin is actually uh, part of production and that uh, his his band lift is his, <laughs> his actual real sentiment and that he uh, he invented the upper deck? Oh man! How could he? No one got into Trey's head and inserted the the idea to to put this wart in the arena. Um, <laughs> so. Oh dear me. Um. Is there really much else to add for arena changes? I mean, we, we kind of mentioned that, you know, they, they, there's lots of hazards that people do. People have said, like, remove all hazards, which I feel like would make it quite boring for a robo TV game. show. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you, you've created normal robo havoc. Um, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's throw it over to you guys, because you operate with a, a box that has uh, the house robots in, which is somewhat of a help or a hindrance, I suppose. Um, but I wouldn't call it so much as a hazard. How do you feel regarding hazards in your boxes? I mean, like, I don't think we've seen a modern BattleBots match that has been determined by the hazards. I mean, unless unless you get stuck under, you know, the the arena, which is just the least satisfying way to lose a match. Yeah. Um, you know, like the kill saws don't really do much. The Hellraisers don't really come up anymore. The hammers like can sometimes do some fun looking damage, but it's never functional. Um, you know, like I like the idea of being able to trigger a pit, you know, that pops up on the other side of the arena and I can show control by pushing you into it. Um, but you know, I mean, they're just there for TV, like they're not functional at all. So like just it just creates more. Like like a a less pure fighting experience because like oh oh wow I just backed into a kill saw didn't mean to do that I didn't know it was gonna come up you know like and I don't lose any control points for that so I don't know like it's a throwback so much so many things in BattleBots are not because it's the smartest thing to do it's because we've always done it and yeah. it's it a harkens throwback back to yeah. Comedy Central yeah I right. yeah what you said about hitting a button is interesting I wonder if they had a button activated upper deck um, instead of dropping it like a pit lifting it out of the ground to then be a proper hazard because then you it makes those short corners make sense it makes the deck make sense makes the screws there make sense trigger the upper deck not just have it that sounds like money <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like money and Sam? that and uh, yeah. from an automation standpoint if that breaks down in the middle of like filming Ooh. that's uh, that's super expensive to like yeah. you have to get in there and tear everything apart to fix it yeah, i would i from a guy who's done theatrical automation before like yeah no let's let's avoid it's that just, one it's just um, trey under there doing a deadlift <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, no, he's just got oh, a bike and he's I lifting buy. it up that i buy <laughs> like the first days like when we first started uh, doing say... wheel of fortune over here you had somebody with their feet underneath it trying to break the wheel so it didn't keep spinning <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, uh, I will say this: uh, the the one time that we have seen the or the times that we do see the hazards have an effect on the match, it always makes people mad. Um, like I think back to 
uh, blacksmith getting caught up on the screws and them not reversing when they did reverse for witch doctor. That was the first like uh, conspiracy theory, uh, you know, the, the show is rigged for witch doctor mm-hmm. moment, I guess, in the show. And then I also think back to like Jameson Go and Sawblaze losing their fight to uppercut partially because the um, the pulverizer came down on them while they were driving towards uppercut and getting them like they were about to pin them up against the wall, but then their progression was kind of stopped and tombstone by the as well pulverizer with, with them as well. Yeah, that's right. I, it did I, happen with them. I totally agree that the um, the reason why we still have hazards is because it is that. I'll call it technical debt. It's that historic legacy as part of the sport. Um, one of the things that I really like about Norwalk is that there's less emphasis on on that to make it exciting. And what they do to make it more exciting is have less rules and regulations about what you can do with your bots. And so you have people really putting some scary crap together. And that we I saw think what happened is... with depth charge. Let's say that much. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, what's exciting about Norwalk is that you never know what's going to be in the box next. Right. And the, the hazards were a way to kind of judge up a, um, a, a landscape that was getting less and less exciting to watch back in the day. And, you know, I, I really want to see people, you know, leverage more creative thinking in what they're bringing to the competition and that is the excitement factor that i'm looking for and i and i hope that a lot of other people look at it the same way i think I mean, we are in somewhat of a golden age of thinking outside the box you know we've had the the age of everyone's got a four or two wheel drive vertical spinner and now people are starting to think okay what can i do with this sport what can i build how far can we push it can i make a robot out of lightsabers hell yes i can um <laughs> you know there's plenty going on I, I, Whoever I that person even... is, let's let's make sure that uh, we 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 devote an entire episode to them, Luke. Write that down. <laughs> yes, please. That's good. Um, you know, even even the uh, the the insistence on us running two hundred and fifty pound robots is a throwback to the nineties. You know. Because why were they so large? Because we had to put car batteries inside of them, right? Yeah. Why were they so large? Because there was no television audience. You had to sit in the stands and watch robots, and you couldn't watch a thirty-pound robot from you know the top of the bleachers. It'd be super boring. And you have to ask yourself, why are we continuing to run two hundred and fifty-pound robots at BattleBots? You know, um, if if you could solve the cost question by lowering the cost of the robots you could solve the arena question by making the arena smaller you could um, bring in all sorts of super competitive designs you can run two or three fights for the same robot in the same day we could just cram a ton more fights in right we are we are we are wedded to this idea that BattleBots means large robots, right? And we we just can't let go of that. We can't let go of the kill saws. We can't let go of the the um, the, the spikes. We can't get rid of the size of the arena. We can't get rid of like this idea that BattleBots can never be a live show. You know, like th- there's all of these things that that we tell ourselves these can never be right. Like we can't we can't change that. Like BattleBots is X Y Z, right? And like that, that rigidness of thinking, I think is, is a problem. You know, when you talk about sustainability in the sport, when you talk about cost, I mean, you could fix so many problems if we weren't so obsessed with, it has to be just like the show was in the Mm nineties. 
Yeah. Myself and Jevon have both like dealt with heavyweights ourselves. You know, and I don't know about you, Jevon, but ev- after every weekend, you know, I do a live event. My back is in absolute. Heavyweights pieces. are heavy. They really are. Like, <laughs> They're so big. Jeez. And you can't store them anywhere, so that it, you know, my my heavyweight to edit Death Flamingo or my team's heavyweight, I should say, not mine specifically, lives in one of my team's garages, and it takes up half his garage. Yeah. And it's just like. Mine is propped up at the front of our garage and yeah. is in the way of everything. Yeah, um, like, whereas a, a featherweight... <laughs> <laughs> Taking up so much room, you know, just... No thoughts. Um, head empty. No, the, like, the, the, like, even with featherweights, like, featherweights, you get the same level of smashy-smashy, but, like, for a fraction of the cost. I'll be honest, my featherweight is one of the most fun but robots you, you I've get, run. You get, you get the idea, like, it's at the same time, it's you, you, I get why it's heavyweights, because, you know... Heavyweights are, you know, are the biggest and the most spectacular. You usually see these amazing amounts of energy get flung around the arena, but like you get the same. In, you get the same with that same. in in thirty <laughs> pounders these days. And you know, I I've said it a few times. I actually when I was on behind the bots, I, I was optimistic about the heavyweight scene. M- my whole thought process has changed around it since because I've what, actually what? been questioning that thought and going, well, we've is this kind the of future this of up it? as well? Like before, like if BattleBots didn't exist. There would be no US heavyweight scene, in my opinion, nope. or it would be going very, very quickly. You know, there's no more robo games. You know, I, I know Robotica is a thing in in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the right place, but you, like yeah. it's it's kind of it's limited in like its appeal to people because one, it's so expensive to do, and two, they are bloody big. Yeah. You know, there's no. It's not really practical to stick a heavyweight in in the boot of your car or in the trunk of your car and kind of take it to an event because you need three people to lift it and then you need three people to take it out and then you need three people to maintain it over the weekend. A featherweight or a beetleweight you could probably do by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we got? We got Ruckus here. There's Kilobots up in up in Saskatoon. Do they do heavies or are they just all low, low weight classes? That's what I mean. Like, there's nothing domestic that really has that pull. The UK uh, has it, but I mean, in lieu of a TV show, that is it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that scene is. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what Extreme Robots comes back with. They're coming back to Portsmouth in a few weeks' time, and it'll be interesting to see what that field looks like now. Whether it'll be the same bots we've seen previously, whether it be some new things, whether it be some less than we've seen. I don't know. One more comment on hazards, and I know we kind of derailed. Oh, yeah, that's what we're bit. talking about. <laughs> yeah, but in any in any case, I'd I'd like to point out that one of the most effective hazards that have been in the box recently are those whack a moles or whatever they're called. Yeah, uh, the, and the they're pistons. not talked about much. Well, they don't get used, do they? Really? Like they're the, only used honest, for full, you, for full you, stars. You'd be surprised how honest, uh, uh, honestly, how often those things come up and out of the ground in a fight mm. uh, to break the ground game up. Mm. To be honest, you'll see them more often than any other hazard being used in the in, in the in the arena. Just and those them. sensors that they go over, it's supposed to it's supposed to break the ground game up. It's supposed to stop uh, box rushes. Uh, as, I, we, I, like, as we heard from the the tantrum team, they drove straight into and trying to fight Gigabyte and mm-hmm. bend their wedge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that went well for them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, that's. I know what the next thing is, and I don't. Well, I'm not ready. Is, is what is this? The the, the show itself? No, it's it's the. Uh, oh no! It, it it goes back to. Oh, I, I just read the first part of it. It's the uh, the fo- the following the rich watch doctor. Oh yeah, no, this is just a small uh, thing, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, the, the count out screen. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be okay the, with the count out screen. Some. Robot Wars it, had it, something it, similar. Like, it's Robo, more transparency. Robot Wars, when, when that was on the air, when, it, when that came back, like. You had a little screen in front of you, and you had a little timer. If you were being counted out by the judges at the time, like mm-hmm. you would see, okay, I'm being counted out here. I need to get a shift on. And yeah, yeah Noel Sharkey had a button. <laughs> he yeah. pressed the doom button. And all three judges had to agree that that 
robot was immobile. It wasn't a ten seconds to check. It was a, I think it's a mobile. Okay. Yes, it's a mobile. Click. Yeah, and if, if you know the ref could do the same thing, they have, they, they can have a little button, and you know they can still do the big you know theatrical ten nine eight. You know John John Raymar could still do his thing. It would but... actually make that count more consistent as well, because I'm swear that it's faster or slower <laughs> at times. Um, but yeah, if you've got it up in front of you, you can do it to the timer and just mm-hmm. really pound them out. That's getting cut. <laughs> well, maybe not from our one, but it's getting cut from behind <laughs> the bot, isn't it? <laughs> oh dear me. Okay. Tournament and show format. This is kind of a, a loaded topic because we kind of mentioned about the the two fights, three fights thing that was happening this season. My kind of my one change that I would make. I like the the preseason postseason fight card thing. I think that's a really cool concept. You know, you get a guaranteed set. Well, you should get a guaranteed set number of fights, but like you, you get more than one. Like. It, like look back at fifteen and sixteen, you know that's been you know it's on Netflix and wherever else now. I look at that now and I think, imagine turning up to BattleBots, but having spent X thousand dollars and getting one fight. Mm-hmm. Rough, that's, right? That's a thing, Sam. It's like that's how it used to be. This is more going back to like this is how the show has always been, and they've mm-hmm. grown out of that and said, hey, this doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. as a show. Uh, if we're gonna have these these this talent come out with, with and pour all this money and time into something just to show up on a screen for five minutes, it's it's like it's, if, imagine imagine in twenty six or twenty eighteen for example, you know Minotaur's first fight was with Tombstone. Imagine Minotaur being knocked out then and there. I, I know it was a it was designed to be that fight because that's what everyone wanted to see. But like the point stands where they potentially lose their first fight, you don't see Minotaur at all in all of twenty eighteen. Crazy, right? I think to kind of mitigate the scheduling issues that they were having. And I, and I think, I know COVID's been a thing for a few years and it's been a bit of an issue. Bring back rumbles. You get one rumble and two 1v1s. Something like that. Because it will reduce the amount of fights that you need because instead of having, let's say, 20 or 30... Instead of having 30 two-way fights, you get 20 three-way fights. It just It's 10 fights less. You reduce the amount of, you know, turnaround you get. Whether it would work it's, and how you devise that, I don't know. Maybe your first fight's a rumble and then you get two 1v1s after that. Like, I know that's very, very Robot Wars. And that goes the same for everybody, not just for... Because it, it, it seems like the rumbles were reserved for bots that hadn't been... That hadn't proved their worth yet in a one-on-one. Or, or to make spaces or... in the in the end-of-season bracket. Yeah. Like, to, okay. to work like out who. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Whereas, you know, if, if you schedule... Okay, everyone gets one rumble, everyone gets two 1v1s, or something along those lines. You kind of get... Okay, I know at some point I'm going to have to fight two robots at once. You kind of have that preparation time. And as well as that, you reduce the amount of fights that are actually taking place. Yeah. I'd like to know the Americans' thoughts, because <laughs> that's, that's a very Robot Wars thing, that is, in, in my mind. It's, it's very... You know, we're used to having melees in the first round and then subsequently go on from there. But I want to know what you guys think of that. I'm going to stick my neck out here. This is a very unpopular opinion. YouTube, come at me. Um, I hate rumbles. Um, and, you know, like, uh, I, I, every time I see a rumble at Norak Havoc or I see a rumble, you know, like, from um, previous seasons or other shows, I just, like, it's just chaos. And it's, like, the winner they like the, just... They like the chaos. No, but <laughs> you, you can't even follow it. Like, the winner typically just hangs back and then comes around and just hits a bunch of dead robots. And you're like, okay. I mean, like... I guess this is fine. I mean, like, we're just, we're just destroying our toys, you know, and like, just all sorts of like, I don't know, like, you know, there's no robot that comes out of a rumble that's like, 
functional and you don't really have a strategy for a rumble other than don't engage, you know, and like that sucks. Um, and you know, like if you're brave and you go in there, you just fight five robots at the same time, you're going to die. So it's like, I don't know. It's just like, they seem messy and, um, and, uh, what about yeah, the, should have been in the 42 robot gladiator we had. <laughs> My God, you couldn't move. It, wasn't, it was less hanging back and just more. You can't, <laughs> can't get anywhere. I think I spent most of that match just doing that, <laughs> trying to get free from certain robots. I, I get it. I do. Um, Rumbles I, can be very sort of messy. Yeah. yeah. Well, messy or just boring if, if one robot decides, I'm not going to touch them. Or if mm-hmm. all three decide, oh, I'm not going to touch them. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at you, Michael Oates. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've um, been a passionate defender, and no one else likes this idea, so I'll just throw this out there, of like more special mini games, you know, to yes. to like trials. Yeah, do different things. Like, like I'll tell you, I watched a thousand robot fights last year at Norwalk Havoc. And it's always three minutes. It's always two robots. They're always going at each other. Mm-hmm. They're always box rushing. They're trying to break one another's wheels. It's exciting. It's great. I love it, obviously. But like after a thousand fights, I'm like, can I see something else? Can I see two robots going around with balloons tied to them and the first person yeah. to pop the balloons? <laughs> you know, like, can I like um, here, like Chris Horry had this really idea, interesting idea, like three on three action, six total robots inside of the box. They have a, a giant nut that sits in the middle and the first person to push the giant nut into, you know, their opponent's square wins the match. So it's like, okay, I have a spinner and they're going to attack. I've got, you know, this kind of dustpan design that's going to push the giant nut. You know, I've got like a defender, an attacker and like, it just creates a different dynamic inside of the box. And I think that's really interesting. So probably uh, more is... interesting and has more strategy than, than a rumble. The, this is the first time I think we're going to actually bring up in good terms, clash bots uh, on the, on the Robocast. <laughs> but one, one of their side competitions that they did was capture the flag and they had a flag welded to the arena floor. And it was the first team to remove the welded flag from the floor in the fastest time. And it was welded with like standoffs and everything. It was really tough, Um, but it made for an interesting time. And it it turned out the rammers did best. They just rammed full force into it and managed to free it. It was, it was fantastic, but I really need to watch the China stuff. Don't I? You do. Yeah. Clashbots is weird, man. I I, I agree that it's a, it's a novel idea to introduce esports strategy and gameplay into combat Mm -hmm. robotics, because honestly, they're, they're, they're kind of on the same wavelength already. And we have um, a lot of, you know, common interests across the fandoms. And I think that it's a, it's a, it's a natural marriage that would be very entertaining to watch. And there's so many different things that you could do. You could, of course you could have a capture the flag. You could, um, you know, you can introduce like almost like a, uh, like a tower defense kind of uh, yes. element, or you know something King where you're you're capturing objectives. Mm-hmm. But the the, op- the opportunities there are endless. And how about a slalom so for bots like Hypershock? Yeah, and that's what what's great about the team dynamic. There is that there's an infinite number of strategies that you can have because I could have a team that has two horizontals, uh, a flame bot, um, you know, a control bot. And, you know, now I'm building a strategy off of that. It's like 
the same way in in the NBA, how you have teams that like have fast, fast, fast offense, right? And then they have some teams that just have an incredible defensive strategy and are constantly getting rebounds. So it's like, you know, you can play to your your driver strengths, you can play to your bot strengths, and you know, there's uh, like we've we've even talked in one of our uh, episodes about ten different mini games that could be played, um, and they could be played right now with three pound bots in the 30 pound box at Norwalk. Uh, we just need to kind of build out whatever that would be. Um, and that is something I would love to watch as a breakup of like a 10 hour uh, tournament, right? Yeah. Maybe 20 minutes of that. And I can really see that growing the audience too, because there are a lot of people who like myself who love like the combat aspect, but are also interested in seeing something that's new and different and unlike what they've seen before. And I think that that would actually grab a lot of people who might otherwise be interested in combat robotics, but maybe like just pure destruction gets lost on them. So you kind of like broaden your appeal to, to more and more people. Mm. And it makes me miss like, cause like I've, I've been watching a lot of, uh, a lot of old robot wars, uh, on the, the mech plus app, please go download that if you haven't done that already, because that's just like one of the best things ever to come out of the last HD robot years. wars is crazy. So good. Mm. Um, but I like it, it, it's cool to see the pinball and like the soccer tournaments. And like, I, I know there's events around here that like they have robot hockey, uh, because why not? Uh, I, I like, I, I miss, I, I missed that part of it. I miss the gauntlet. I miss stuff like that. I, I I miss things that like made me feel like they were actually a, like I I I have a a background in first like many many of the people in this in this realm do. Uh, but task oriented robotics competitions are very interesting and could be could be brought forward a little a little better. I know ESPN tried to cover it back like in the '90s and they did a terrible job. Uh, but in any case, uh, it would be it would be cool to be brought to the forefront. And we just had a documentary come out uh, about about FRC. Uh, and it's and, and like the, the interest is there. So I mean, just 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 as you know, just to a, a plant a seed, you know, for the idea of of having something like that. It's it's just it just if it gets me excited, it's got to get other people excited. So thoughts on uh, on launching true qualifiers to get into BattleBots, like a regional live show, kind of like American Idol. I Bring have... what you built. Had and, uh, a long conversation, yeah, long Charlie, old conversation with Charlie about this. Uh, mm. So I've I've just spent the week with him, and we've discussed this at great <laughs> lengths. And it's something that we discussed doing, and BattleBot sort of hinted at doing it. That they wanted to do was that um, they wanted sort of regional things uh, to have ready for the main show. Both he and me are big fans of Monster Jam, as I said already. Um, but uh, they do certain live tours ready for the world finals. And uh, your world finals could be the the big field selection, but you have the individual areas first. So you could have your California bots, you could have your Miami bots, you could have your. Could you imagine following that year round? Be like, oh man, there's a shit spot up in California. I can't wait for them to meet at the world final. It's similar to, in in many ways to how Norwalk runs things. Like you have yeah. these separate events every month or every other month or whatever it is, you know, and then you have your finals in December and you kind of have all the top tier teams go back back again it gives you know everyone a chance to kind of have a run out and you know get the get the rust off and then... that way you could have your smaller field it's another yes, way of fixing exactly. that if you if you need to have a smaller field to fit all the robots in regional ones would work again with as many 
British bots that applied for, I think it was the 2020 season or 2021, loads of British bots apply every time and loads of Europeans. You could have a European qualifiers and that way only the best of the best get shipped across, get to go. Um, I do like the idea of sort of your international teams getting automatic placements, your Australians, your New Zealanders and all that because there aren't many of them. Um, and if they want it to be a world championships, it's the only way you can do it is have the world championships where the world comes to fight. Um, but even then, I, I might be inclined to, you know, sort of get rid of the, the dead weight or the, the robots that may not work for the whole competition. It's a big thing of the selection committee that they want robots that will run through a tournament bracket to win or to to be able to do that all the way through to to get there. I pitched this idea before and I'll just get up on my little soapbox and pitch it one more time. Yeah, I guess to a different audience, but um, <laughs> you know, like if, if we broke up the world into five or 10 regions and each region had its own qualifier, we could also change the format of the show to say, if you win your qualifier, if you win in your region, you get to select your team. You select four other robots to come with you to BattleBots. And now we are the Brazil team. We are now the Europe team. We are the Asian team, right? We're the Australian team, right? And you, if you lose one of your bots in a match with another team, that bot is out of your, your deck. And for you to win, you need to survive as a team. You win as a team or you lose as a team, right? And the, the giant nut comes home you know, with you to your region, yes. like kind of getting rid of the selection committee and instead allowing the, the captains themselves to build their own teams. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could say, hey, look, we, we are, we're all of the UK bots and we're going to do like a UK qualifiers. And, you know, the captain of Apollo is going to choose, you know, the team that's going to go to BattleBots, I think would be really cool. Um, and just kind of build more like team, team dynamics for your like yeah i want to buy that t-shirt i want to like really root for my team i want the um, team uk t-shirt yeah. with all of the uk bots mm -hmm. and then it yeah. we could actually have something akin to what king of bots 2 did i was which, gonna say yeah it, i was it, just it, thinking about yeah. that just without the celebrity <laughs> yeah. sponsorship thank yeah. you yeah it, it was it was an interesting dynamic and i really liked the way that they did it um it's just it was filled with other general rubbish Gosh. um oh, the yeah. fights were good the I fights the were fight. good. The teams were yeah. good. The, the yeah. rest of it, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I, I like that idea of having, um, you know, team selections. What I would also say is uh, they've got to select certain things to be in their team. So you've got to have a good axe ball. You've got to have a good flipper. Yes. You've got to have this, that and the other to have in your team. And uh, yeah, that that would work quite well, I think. Can't turn up with maybe five verts, something like that kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of verts, uh, Ian Danger Miller... Mm said no more generic vertical spinner bots as rookies rookie bots should be novel i do agree to a degree because obviously you know he mentioned you know riptide was one of the highest ranking newcomers there was themselves and blip but obviously blip is part of seems reasonable who've been participating in battle bots for a while i do agree to a point um because i i agree in a sense that it'd be it's you know every bot should be different, you know, there shouldn't be, you know, two things, like, looking exactly the same, you know, I know there's X number of verts in the field, but they all have their own kind of unique gimmicks, like, for example, Hypershock is really fast, and it has the runaround and end game. okay, it's probably more based vert, if you like, but 
Um, for me, again, it, it somewhat limits, you know, if you get selected, like, ultimately, you should be able to build what you like, you know, and if, if you get accepted with, you know, generic egg beater, which not Riptide isn't necessarily, but like it's it's the most based egg beater we've seen in BattleBots since the show's come back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's four wheel drive. It's it's very much bite force, but with an egg beater instead of a, a, a bar. And if you get accepted with that, then hey, good for you. You know, that's that, you get to go and play. It's kind of tough to kind of box someone in in terms of if a team wants to build a certain way, then they can do for me. I don't know. Yeah, I think. BattleBots are sort of starting to lean away from accepting as many two four-wheel drive vertical spinners. Like I think they they do want some more variety in their field. Um, that said, there are still a lot of them about. But I mean, these are already teams that have made names for themselves in the sport, and they've got the sort of ownership of those names, and they are, as I said earlier, marketable, and people know them. Um, but you look at the newcomers we had this year, we had, you know, Switchback, who was, yes, a vertical spinning drum, but had it on an articulating arm, making it somewhat different. We had Riptide, a based egg beater. We've not really seen the like in BattleBots. We've had, you know, a few egg beaters before, but nothing quite the shape and size of Riptide. Um, it's more akin to a sort of beetle weight. Um, and then you've got um, such things as... Who else was new? I've... Glitch. Glitch mm-hmm. was um, a vertical spinner again, but okay. used omnidirectional drive to make it somewhat X-drive, different. Yeah. Specifically. <laughs> X drive. Nice. Super interesting. There's another robot that was meant to be there, Ominous, which is yeah. much the same, but, you know, using Omni wheels to maneuver. I and think was, if you are. Yeah, that was holonomic. Or no, not holonomic. It, was, it might have been. It was, it, it was the Y shaped drive, which was odd. You're um, using big words. Um, I'm going to nod. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the thing I think is most important is that if you are going to accept these vertical spinners, have them be unique ones. So I I, st- I wouldn't say no to them, but you know your That's more base ones. The, yeah, the only one that was sort of basic two wheel drive vertical spinner was Dragon Slayer, but it looked mm-hmm. cool um, and it was a nice theme and a nice design, and they had to go through several revisions to get that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on, I mean, I think like there's just kind of a lot of feedback around number of fights. People want to see more than eight fights in an episode. I would say that that ties into give all bots three qualifying fights, right? Mm-hmm. Can we just cram more fights in? How do we cram more fights in? Um, we got really like a pretty interesting comment from Caleb Kempson just saying, get rid of the fight night format entirely. It can be manipulated way too easily. Why do you give an 0-2 bot a third fight? You know they're not going to make it in. And, you know, like, why why are we okay with, you know, advancing a 2-0 bot and but forcing other robots to fight for three times? You know, like, mm-hmm. there's just challenges around the number of fights and how the qualifiers are structured is there a better way to structure the qualifiers can we get more fights in can we film more fights is there is that possible i wonder if you offered everyone two fights and then say if you want a higher or want to attempt to get a higher placement in seeding you can mm-hmm. go for a third fight you can put your name down for that if you lose yes. it you get a lower seeding than you would get at two and oh yeah speaking of seedings 
what about a transparent ranking system for these robots? Why is it just mm -hmm. like, oh, this one's good, that one's good. Why not something like more concrete? I know we have bot rank and we could talk about that a whole nother time. Um, but something that's more concrete where you can say, okay, such and such a robot is ranked, let's say fourth. And here's a newcomer and they, they wipe the floor with them and you're like, oh my gosh, holy crap. So like you, you, you'd give them like an ELO rank or something like that or something that, something like, uh, like what they do in esports, where like you have a, a new team come in that just blows people out of the water, or maybe a, a team that just w was good maybe a couple of years ago and they're starting to fall off the cliff a little bit. There, there needs to be more more of that, I think. Uh, I feel like we're we're playing too much to favorites uh, on teams, and that's I mean that maybe that's on production, and that's maybe more to bring in eyes. I mean, it is a TV show at the end of the day. This is where we start to blur the line between TV show and competition. Uh, yeah. But I feel like that that might benefit. Uh, a little bit, maybe with a, a transparent ranking system. For One of the things matches. that drove me nuts about the seeding this year was you have three no bots, they're at the top, they should be at the top, that makes sense. But you've got two no bots that they just stuck right in the middle. And you're like, yeah. all those two no bots could be three no bots, you didn't give them the chance, right? <laughs> like, um, you, you can't... Um, you can't deny someone a third fight and then penalize and then them in the seedings. Yeah. That's just, it's not fair. Um, you know, like strength of schedule, not everybody had the same strength of schedule in the qualifiers. There were definitely robots that had easier paths to the top 32 and they got amazing seedings at no fault of their own. And it's not like they ask, oh, can I please have easy fights, right? It just happened that way. That's the way it shook out. And having a more transparent seating system, a more transparent ranking system, like you say, Steve, like would be really great. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I personally like suspect like my, my favorite BattleBots um, conspiracy theory is that they just choose which fights they think would look good in the top 32. And then they just give you whatever seating it needs to be like, oh, you're a 12, but I'm going to give you a 15 so that you can fight this other robot that we really want to see. We've, and uh, storylines. Yeah. Like yeah. Know, ultimately, you know, the, the longer these teams compete, the, the more storylines and the more storied their kind of like line of fights becomes like, for example, I think the one that maybe you could be, you could be alluding to a little bit, maybe is P1 and Hypershock this year yeah. is, a, is a great example of that because of course of surrounding last year you know they probably should have had a play in last year because you know p1 missed out on the bracket hypershock got in but this is joy. where you give them a <laughs> a fight night fight of that instead and of not, a and not a tournament fight, tournament but, then, fight. but then they only had two tournament yeah, so they only had two fight night fights and you yeah. know they you know would their third fight have been each other which i think it's no mistake the end game was pitched up to either play Minotaur, a robot who's beaten them, or Bloodsport, or Bloodsport a robot mm. who's beaten them. Um, happened I... in quite a few quarters as well because Ribot would have yeah. ended up fighting. Well, had they beaten Hydra, would have ended up fighting Black Dragon, who beat them, mm -hmm. and Mad Catter, who beat them. So either they... that, or would have fought Defender in a rematch. Mm -hmm. All the little dots. <laughs> those uh, tinfoil uh, hatters out there are going to be yeah. losing their heads right now <laughs> and we can talk about with with, with shortened film schedule too i mean it's kind of hard to be it, it's it's kind of tough to be extra hard on this season because of the way that the filming schedule shook out but mm -hmm. you know it's well, we've already harped on that um some i think caleb mentioned a double elimination bracket which i like it just for me, like it requires having an even numbered field and then having alternates as well, which yeah. I don't. I'm not a massive fan of. I, I like the fact that you know any team could have X number of fights instead of like okay, you have to have a field of 
64 or 32 or whatever you know you have to have a certain number of teams whereas you know with this oh yeah 70 teams can turn up and you'll get three fights and then i think the the biggest issue is that we've had the the fight night format misused and abused um and uh, it needs to be better structured and you know have have fights that make sense producer interference but this is basically producer (laughs) if you've got two and (laughs) no bots make them fight if you've got yeah, yeah, yeah. one-on-one bots, make them fight. You know, yeah. this is the sort of matchups we need to be seeing. Not oh, and three seasons ago, Sawblaze fought X Robot and was defeated. Now can they make a comeback? Yes, it's a cool storyline. Yeah, but... such and such robot needs a third fight. Who can they fight that's available? Oh, Rusty. here you go. Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys. it's it's a. I think that ties quite nicely the, the next thing which said stop giving struggling top tier bots easy wins to secure their spot in the round of 32 mm-hmm. is it was noticeable this <laughs> season yeah i think also yeah. a lot of this could be solved with tying in that point that we made earlier about the regionality of teams right yes if uh if 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 you're if you have a bot that for some reason is absolutely destroying um uh, you know brazil's team or uh if there is a like an like a, an asian team coalition that's that's that, that's a great way to establish those rivalries like without having to forcibly institute something into a story right and to overproduce something um that's the bullet that could hit the other speeding bullet that would solve a lot of these pain points have you guys watched any of kenny florian's uh, other job the professional fighters league I haven't. Personally. I have not. All right, so they oh, have a you're, system. You're the only uh, barbarian among us <laughs> who enjoys actual combat sports with humans. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So they have a system where they basically have qualifiers, and the qualifiers are everybody gets two fights to attempt to qualify for the tournament. And if you get a win, that's three points. If you get a submission, that's one point. If you get a knockout, that's two points. And so, like, um, there's additional points that you get throughout all of it. And if you, like, win all of a judging criteria, like if you win all of control, you get those points, right? So the people at the end with the highest amount of points are then seated in that way. There's, like, an objective seating method that doesn't have to be decided upon by any committee or any group of mysterious people in the back. And that is like, in my mind, the only way to kind of get rid of the selection committee aspect of BattleBots, which I do think is weird, amorphous, and um, doesn't really add a lot of value. I would much rather have just see how it plays out. Let's see how it goes. Then like, we're going to see this obviously high-ranking bot down low because we want to see Robot fight them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it just feels, it adds to the credence of it feels fixed. It adds to the credence of it feels fake to people, and I, and I totally see why, because that aspect kind of is. Um, we've just got a couple more suggestions here before we wrapped up. Um, these two are related. No more play in matches in the finals. This was, like, kind of a new thing that we saw this year. Let's just do that in the fight night format, you know, um, and also stop highlighting championship fights. Like if you made it into the championship, your fight should not be on YouTube. Um, I think those are two relatively uncontroversial positions. Any thoughts on those? 
I, I I'm fully into that. Oh yeah, go ahead, Lizzie. No, no, go. You yeah. can't stop it, can you? I know I can't help it. Um, real quick, I guess I could say that like it it goes back onto our topic of uh, these teams are sponsored. Uh, and imagine having your team that you sponsor get into the tournament and only have their fight highlighted. Uh, I, I, I would I would have a hard time sponsoring said team again if they're going to get played by the show in such a way. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the, that that's just the nature of it. Uh, I, I, I like I, I kind of like sort of like the idea of play-ins in a way, but that's what the fight nights are for. It, yeah. that, those are play-ins. Um, I, I know that, uh, well, since this did happen in March, March Madness also happened. They have something called the first four, uh, where there's these four parts of the bracket where you have two teams that are just like right on the cusp of, get, of breaking into the tournament, they're, but they're on the bubble. And so they, they have, uh, two, I almost said they fight. I'm too, I'm too combat sported up, man. Um, <laughs> But uh, they, 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 they play a match, and then whoever wins ends up making the bracket. And usually it's not a very cushy spot. Usually it's like a 12 seed or a 16 or a 15 or something like that. Uh, but they, they make it, you know, so it's, you know, not as advantageous to have to play an extra match. But I, I don't know if they have a place here. Uh, this is also probably a, a, a deal where, like, it came down to bots only getting two fights, um, which is strange because Defender got four. Uh, so, yeah. I'll let you go, Lindsay, before I start to trail. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, like everybody else, I think highlighting, um, you know, round of 32 matches is basically inexcusable. Um, I I don't hate the play-ins, but I what I do think is funny is that, like, had there not been play-ins, um, Hydra would not have been in the bracket. And so for all the folks who are like, oh, it's rigged against Hydra. Like they they just don't want Hydra to win. They like basically created the plans so that Hydra would have a place in the bracket. Yep. So like miss me with those conspiracies. I think it's really silly um, to me. Like the plans seem like, oh, we like some of these bots. They didn't quite make the cut. Let's find a way to get them in because uh, they we want them there yeah it's it's another case of the same as what happened last year to p1 kind of happened to defender this year as the only two and one bot to not get a place in the tournament bracket um and them allowing one and two bots to take those places instead because they are high profile um i think that uh, the likes of Scorpios, who who did go one and two but had two main events that's a strength of schedule that you go there's a position for you a robot that you know has lost to a rookie and lost to the champion is kind of the champion loss is somewhat excusable the loss to the rookie less so if you're a big name and so better luck next year um as far as plans go i've i've been i think vocal <laughs> about my dislike for things like desperado tournaments we've had in the past because it has no stakes if you lose at the desperado tournament you're allowed just back into the regular competition and can still make it through another set of play-ins um 2019 was a bit of a mess but um the the, the play-ins we've had recently just feel very forced as well um not the biggest fan of them but i think potentially correct robots made it in in certain areas others didn't um it just creates a mess and it's it's sloppy and and needs to be tighter really um jesse Mullen had a really interesting point 
And he said, you know, if you're paying attention as a super fan, you will notice that the person who wins the giant nut never has a fight go to YouTube. So through the process of elimination over the course of 10 weeks, you can eliminate 20 robots, even top tier robots. Mm -hmm. So like the second that Whiplash got their fight relegated, their championship fight relegated to YouTube, you can say, Whiplash isn't winning this year. And um, like, if you're paying attention, like, you know that that to be true, which is just horrifically bad for this is a true sport. Like this is a real sport and anybody can win because you know, like, especially if we started like betting on this, it gets to to become very Mickey mouse very quickly. Right. Um, And, Oh yeah, I'm going to relegate it to YouTube because it's just too difficult of a story for us to tell. And it ultimately didn't even affect the giant nuts. So whatever, let's just put it in onto YouTube instead. Um, which is a real shame. Um, all right. Final two suggestions on a very long, but delightful show. And then we get to go all have a drink. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you know, instead of just a first place finisher, do a podium finish for one, two, and three. I love that. It's it's been so frustrating for years that we haven't had third place playoffs. I know. There's that that Robot Wars connection again. I know. Why is it we're getting episodes of battle bots where we're already reduced to eight episodes and the final is reduced to seven we could easily have an eighth fight in there and it be the third place but yeah, between. you can put that on youtube if you want to yeah say fine put say afterwards and, yeah or just say that you know on, and on youtube is the third place playoff no one would mind everyone would be like okay cool we get to see an extra fight of you know a championship caliber machine but you know we get to see two of them on youtube which is great like you know you don't get that normally I'm also going to pipe up and say it's uh, a crime that we didn't get the awards uh, announced on the show this I year. I think they're being announced later on. It's still a it's crime that we didn't get them awarded on the show. On the real show. On the yeah. actual one. You just yeah. talked about having your your sweet pudding, but your terrible main course. Instead, we had a load of filler that wasn't necessary. to A lot of bread. Yeah. Filled up on bread. Not enough. Hey, 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 hey. I'm not taking anything away from bread. I'm not away from I love bread. I could eat it. I could literally eat it forever. <laughs> you we fill up on bring, bread. We don't need to be throwing bread under the bus right now. <laughs> you fill up on bread. You don't want the main course. I'm That's Italian. True. I live on bread. Pasta. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> the, uh, the final suggestion from the fans comes from Mario Cass from Texas. Thank you, Mario, for sending it in. Saying, uh, for the final fight of the season, there should be no time limit. There should be no count outs. It should just go for eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes until total incapacitation. Steve is raising his hand. Yeah, Steve? I have a question. Are okay. you going to put like recharge stations in the box? How are they going to keep going? Like, like, are, are, is, is it just to the point where like you have, There's, like imagine you have a fight. It, but the thing is, imagine you have a fight like, uh, uh, retrograde in Defender, where it's not as offensively active. You just have these bots mashing into each other over and over and over again. What? Where, where's the end game? I have really? no point. The, the batteries get puffy. They start burning. <laughs> yeah. Like you have this, this on fire. <laughs> Pyrrhic victory. You know, like it'd be incredible. Yeah. So, so my my point is, in the now six seasons of BattleBots that we've had since the show came back, how many finals have actually gone to the judges? One. Two, one. two. No, it was one. 2015. Did that was 2018 it. not go to the judges as well? No. Minotaur, no. Got, Minotaur got wrecked. 
The only one that went to the judges well, was the very first reboot season. So, with that said, there's only been one ever that's gone to the judges, and that was because we had a control button, a tombstone that just stopped. Yeah. Had tombstone kept working, I imagine the fight probably would have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Because um, Bite Force was pretty damaged in that. So... Mm-hmm. I feel like we already have that. Like normally, yeah. we, normally we're going to get a final anyway. That's going to be a, a knockout because yeah. I say, I know it doesn't normally happen, but like even then, like we could keep going until it does. But it's a very video game esque idea. The, I like uh, it though. I like I like the, the premise of it. Like it's it's a you know there will be no judge decision. You know there will be a outright winner. But like the thing is, we've already had that for the last power of many years anyway. Yeah. So. What, what we've often or what we were talking about this week was um, how we find most of the uh most of the battlebots finals to be somewhat anticlimactic compared to their semi-final fights um because the semi-finals are always absolute barnstormers uh, and then the final is usually sort of one or Nervous. two hits and it's done mm. and i don't oh. know i the 2018 and 2019 ones were both pretty fire <laughs> honestly by first right. minotaur 20, was awesome 2020 and 2021 was sort of and 2016 kind of eh, one way yeah. traffic okay. one way yeah don't get me wrong, I'm fine with the direction the traffic is going. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really think, see there's much difference to what we already have, but it is what it is. Fantastic suggestions from the fans. <clears throat> this has been great. I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've loved this. <laughs> let's let's send the transcripts to uh, Greg and Trey. I mean, like we fixed BattleBots. <laughs> yeah. It took us less than two hours. That's great, you know? And <laughs> um, we'll have our checks, you know, sent out to... They don't pay the builders. They're not going to pay us, Sam. Come on now. It was worth a try. <laughs> that uh, bit hit the cutting room floor harder than uh, <laughs> the Wall Street crash, I think. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, I know it's been said already, but I, I've really enjoyed doing this, and you know, it, it's good to kind of like get a. It's weird that we we kind of we we've just you know spoken a little a little bit previously to this, but like you know the fact that we're just very aligned on a lot of things just kind of surprised me quite a lot. The mm-hmm. fact that you know we are of Ultimately, we all love BattleBots. We all love for one fandom under one Ex- roof. Exactly, and <laughs> ultimately, you know, we just want what's best for the show that we we have. And you know, it's, it's our yeah. and you know, differing opinions aside, you know, a lot of people have had their opinions, you know, kind of read out and kind of put to the fore. Like ultimately, we all want what's best for our crazy little hobby that we enjoy. And you know, it's just it's very cool to kind of chat it through with you guys you know you guys you know definitely push us to kind of improve ourselves and make ourselves you know put out better quality i've just punched my, my desk but <laughs> better uh, quality. so ironic that you said better quality at that point is it's, it? it's true but, but you get what i mean like it, it's it, we, you know it's we, we strive to be as as you know clean cut as you guys are you know producing a, a, an amazing podcast and thank you for coming and talking with us it's been great fun <laughs> and you've inspired us to show our faces on a, on a, a video format <laughs> they're all so beautiful except kyle but we're gonna we're gonna edit him yeah we'll get we'll get kyle <laughs> thanks so much this, this has been so, so much fun, fun. Yeah. yeah same time we next do season this every season yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah post, post-season party mm-hmm. <laughs> well from our end at least with that all that said i have been similarly at 64 I have been Steve the American Killjoy. I have been World of Woodrow. Good, and good luck. We've we've been other people. <laughs> there you go. That'll do. That'll do. That'll do. That'll do. More than just other people. It would be a complete mess if we went through it one by one. I'm sure. Um, thank you very much for uh, 
for coming and joining us. And thank you everyone for all your suggestions. You know, a, a lot of them were very similar from both sides of our thing uh, where we posted out. So, you know, apologies if we didn't get your name read out, but we we did go through them all and they were literally one for one exactly the same. So we just kind of brought it all under one umbrella. Yeah. But with that said, we'll see you at yeah. some point for more BattleBots action. Yeah. We'll see you then. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to your nearest suburban shopping center, where Chili's is rolling out its server bot to another 50 restaurants. The robot, named Rita, can bring people to their table and encourage them to sign up for the My Chili's Reward Program, bring dirty dishes back to the kitchen, sing happy birthday, and dispense ice cream from its own body. Yeah. Chili says Rita performs its tasks with 99% accuracy and uh, don't ask about the other 1%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, most of Chili's food comes right out of a packet. So, like, why not also just have uh, their waitstaff robots and just automize the entire thing? You don't have to cook. You don't have to, you know, have a server. Listen, don't don't threaten our corporate overlords with a good time, man. Like, that's exactly what they want. <laughs> uh, you walk into McDonald's lately, uh, which I had the pleasure of doing last week with the kiddos. It is just, you know, there's one person that kind of sort of pops over by the counter sometimes. Everything else is those machines that are kind of floating in the middle of the area where you got to go type in your stuff. It's very weird. It's very weird. I would not be surprised if uh, in the future McDonald's has got robots bringing that food out to my table uh, instead of calling me up from the counter. I want my baby Mac, baby Mac. (laughs) I want my baby Mac, baby Mac. (laughs) We have Rita here with us today. I want my baby back, baby back. <laughs> two for Tuesdays. <laughs> wow, two for Tuesdays is back for a limited time. This is incredible. Thanks, Rita. I am now going to dispense your dessert. <laughs> Where does it come out of its body? Do we know the answer to that? And do we want to know the answer to that? Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode and Nellie the Elliebot Captain Sarah Mollian for providing our amazing outro music. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Okay, see you later. Bye. Watch Norwalk. Too far to stay. Was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds, although my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore when out did come her metal jaw. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that spinner in tow. <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth.